Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ben, did Ilhan Omar marry her brother? The evidence speaks for itself. It's bottom line. <laughs> So you're saying you think yes. She she won't speak about it. Right. She she will call you an Islamophobic bigot as is her want in the kind of progressive or bigot binary. Uh she uses that as a shield and a weapon to go after anyone who would dare seek you, out the truth. But look, like you wrote a book about her, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I I wrote a book called American Ingrate as the least provocative title <laughs> that I could think of. Uh, all right, all right. Well, uh, we'll get yeah, no, we'll get into all that. I just had to open with that cuz uh we have the story that I don't look. I don't. It's a guy making a claim, right? This is a, this is a crazy, crazy story. A political operative has uh, claims that they have DNA evidence they got from Ilhan Omar's cigarette that proves she married her brother. Well, I don't. I, I don't know about all that. I think there's a whole bunch of other circumstantial evidence that you know gives you pause to the extent that even the Star Tribune, which is a Pulitzer Prize winning paper in in, in Minnesota, it, uh, they said that this man was possibly her brother. Like they actually entertain the possibility. I'm not. I, We'll talk about the story, but this is where it gets crazy. 12 hours, I guess, after the dude releases this supposed DNA evidence, he gets arrested on a federal indictment for child trafficking. Now, I'm not sure I trust this guy, (laughs) but innocent until proven guilty, although it's a pretty crazy allegation. And I'll tell you this, grand juries don't happen overnight. So if this was 12 hours after he released this, they must have been going after him for some time now. We'll read the story. It's a crazy story. We got a bunch of other news. We got 63 people from Obama's birthday party got COVID, I ah. guess. And so, ah. uh, yeah, there you go. But uh, Lollapalooza seemed to be fine. And, man, parents are fighting uh, with teachers and, and school board over mask mandates. This stuff's getting creepy. And then we got Afghanistan. We got a whole bunch of news. And, you know, we're going to round it off with something really interesting culturally. Suicide Squad. Have you seen it yet? It's bombing. Hmm. And... It's crazy to all, all these people saying it was a great movie, but I, I, we're not here to talk necessarily about the, 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 the pop culture elements of the movie, although I'd love to do that too. Something's happening to our culture. It's like movies don't matter anymore. Like it's, it's a fracture. And now you got Joe Biden discussing mandatory vaccinations for interstate travel. What would happen to this country if they implement something like that? Fractures in two seconds. So uh, obviously, uh, Ben, do you want to introduce yourself? Because you, I already you know, put you on the spot. With, with that lead in, um, yeah, don't associate me with Ilan Omar, please. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that said, yeah, Ben Weingarten. I'm a deputy editor at Real Clear Investigations, a senior contributor at The Federalist. I write for Newsweek, Epic Times, and a whole bunch of other places, um, frequently about U.S.-China policy, but also the kind of woke, I call it an anti-cultural revolution that we're going through. Uh, part of that that I've been focused on a lot lately is January 6th, all things around January 6th and how that is sort of the essential event that all of the scaffolding has been built around to engage in the kind of war on wrong think that oh, yeah. we're seeing play out in every single sphere of American society today. So all sorts of fun, very optimistic and positive <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right on. We got a, we got Ian Schell. Yeah. When I, when I learned, started to learn about the Reichstag in Hitler's Nazi Germany, early days of Nazi Germany, where the Reichstag, their, their parliament building, burned down, and and they he blamed the communists, and then used that as authority to ban civil rights, take away people's rights, and then start going after people. So I'm very, very like 
on edge about these kind of things like this January 6th thing. Mm. It makes me very... The enabling act. Yeah, you got to watch out for, for Swift pointing at something and then doing a bunch of laws as a result. Man, it's sad because it seems like people don't learn. The, the the national security apparatus has for years been talking about domestic violent extremists and specifically, you know, they'll use a million different adjectives, but right. uh, white nationalists, right wing white supremacists, etc. And they didn't have an event that they could glom onto to accelerate what they already would have wanted to achieve in terms of targeting their political adversaries and then using that to increase their power over them. This was the precipitating event. But the thing is, every element of the narrative around January 6th has really collapsed. It was It's a joke to think of that it was an insurrection. Hmm. These no people were been, not going to... No one's been charged with it. The, the, the crimes are, for the most part, and there were people who did egregious things, no question about it. And, you know, there's reports of, you know, a per, an officer had his eye gouged and, and all sorts of other horrible assaults and the like. But the majority of the charges put out against the almost 600 people now were basically glorified, trumped-up trespassing charges. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only person who died, of course, relating to the event specifically, was Ashley Babbitt being right. shot. It wasn't yeah. Officer Sicknick getting bludgeoned with a fire extinguisher. Did or, not happen. Mm-hmm. It did not happen. Um, pretty much every element of the narrative, and then you compare it to what happened during the George Floyd riots, or even you compare it to... Uh, the 2017, there was inauguration riots in D.C. that people don't really talk about a lot, which actually might serve as a template for how the government tries to go after the J6 I people. Wa- mm-hmm. I'll, I want to add one more thing that a lot of our listeners have, have already heard me say, but just for you. Did you know that uh, civics polling shows that Democrats think the economy is doing fairly well? <laughs> if you laugh because it's like, how, how, what? Like the consumer price index is higher than it's been in 13 years. The, there's more. The, the, the job openings are escalating. Four million people resigned. Gas prices are through the roof. The people who follow the media, they watch CNN. They, if they heard what you just said right now about January 6th, they'd be like, he's lying. Because they don't actually know what's happening in the real world. We'll, we'll get into all this stuff. We got, we got Lydia over here. She's pressing buttons. I am pressing buttons in the corner. And the J6 stuff is really interesting to me as well because I was watching a segment. I think it was from MSNBC earlier today where they were saying that not only was January 6th an insurgency, we're all insurgents. Like conservatives <laughs> are insurgents. I'm like, that's probably not a good thing to introduce into the dialogue, but I'm hoping we can get into it. And some you of need that a stuff. counterinsurgency policy to, yeah, to exactly. take out the insurgents. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they've war on domestic terror. That's, that's right. I'm excited. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm honored because apparently there was a hit piece that claimed I was the most dangerous uh, political commentator, uh, as they said, on the right. Wow. Because I feign impartiality, but I'm anything but. And it's really funny because, like, if, is, does that, is that you saying you actually don't have anything to criticize me over, like, my, my political opinions? Because it seems like I'm mostly just about letting people live their own lives. I mean, there's a real value to neutral authority. I think that's, you know, if anything, if you're pioneering neutrality in authority, that's that's valid and, mm-hmm. and, and useful. It's not, it's not so much about neutrality. It's about, like, you know, people standing up for their individual uh, liberties and things like that, you know? The thing is, but your individual, one person's individual liberty is another person's assault on everyone else. It, yeah, but those are crackpots. Like, if, if, you're, if you're saying, you know, I want to have, uh, like, my own space to live and do my thing and, and defend myself— and then someone says, you shouldn't be allowed to have a weapon to defend yourself in your own home. It's like, well, now you're intruding on someone's home. It's the same argument when they say when, when they were talking about you know gay marriage and stuff back in the day when they were like, what, what people do in their own home is their business. I'm like, that's right. If you got a gun and a bazooka, I don't care. Just don't bring it over to my property. Like, I don't want that on my property. But if you want to have that in your place, I don't care, whatever. What's changed is that there were people who you would say liberal and, and truly left liberal, not classical liberal, 
But it used to be in this country, I think, a, a strong majority would have said, live and let live. We disagree on a whole host of different issues. However, we have a few things that we agree on that transcend all of them. Now it's you either agree with us or we're going to send an invading army, digital or otherwise. Well, it's like you. it's like Mayogate. You know, hmm. where the where the regular exactly. guy just made a comment about my prices are going up, and then all these these leftist publications are sending a harassment campaign his way. It's crazy. Well, let, let's get, let's jump to the news. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get an advertisement-free experience on all of our wonderful, fierce, and independent journalism, as well as access to our members-only segments. And we got uh, two new shows in the works, should be coming very, very soon. These things just take time, man. I, I wish we could just snap our fingers and have everything up and running, but, you know, we've got all these different crews. We do have the vlog, which is up. You can check that out at uh, Cast Castle. But also, just uh, if you want to support our work and we're hiring more journalists, we're starting a fact-checking nonprofit, which will be on the side, and uh, uh, it's going to be great. So let's just uh, – don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. Let's get weird with it. It's Friday night. We like to be weird on Fridays. From the Daily Mail, exclusive – is this the proof that Ilhan Omar married her own brother to bypass U.S. immigration rules? Conservative group's DNA test from Congresswoman's cigarette butt purports to show 99.99% match to her second husband, Ahmed Almi. And so they show this photo of Ilhan Omar smoking a cigarette. And I guess that's supposed, like supposed to be proof that big tent Republican PAC, I guess, secured the cigarette after the fact and then did a DNA test on it. And then you end up with this DNA siblingship report, which is claiming, what do they say? It's like a 99. What are, okay, okay, they say the result of the test assert that there is a 99 point. Oh, man, I'm going to read this. 9999998% chance that Omar and her second husband, Ahmed Elmi, are siblings. The report drawn up by Endeavor DNA Laboratories does not name either Omar or Elmi, instead referring to them as sibling one and sibling two. It says that sibling one sample was garnered from a cigarette butt and, and sibling two is from a drinking straw. You know what's really funny is that we talked about this like a, a year uh, yeah. or so ago where it was like we were we were joking because there's an episode of Law and Order where like they're trying to bust this guy and the, he, they can't get the evidence. And then he drinks from a coffee and then throws the cup in the dumpster or like into a trash and they walk up and pick it up with like tongs and they're like discarded materials. And they're like, hey, you can't do that. And then they get the DNA evidence. And I was like, what if somebody just like found an old snot rag and then ran DNA and proved it? I'm not I'm not sure I believe you know, people went out and actually did this. I'm not, I, I think it's kind of outlandish. I don't know what else someone would do, like, if you're trying to prove this. But I'll tell you where it gets really, really crazy. Here's what they say. The test was posted online by Anton Lazaro, a Republican strategist in Minneapolis on Wednesday. Around 12 hours later, Lazaro was arrested on federal child trafficking charges. Or, I'm sorry, it doesn't say, say child. On, uh, I'm being careful because it's YouTube. Trafficking. But they, they did say under 18 uh, was, was part of it. So it's trap. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. It does say child. Right. Child trafficking, people under 18. <laughs> He's currently, he is now in custody awaiting a hearing on Monday. I wonder how many people are screaming it's a conspiracy. He was about to bust Elhan Omar, mm. or maybe he's a shady guy and he does shady things, and this is complete BS evidence. I guess outside of any of these DNA claims, there's circumstantial evidence that leads many people to believe she married her brother because it was uh, it was it was to get him in the country, right? Yeah, it was an immigration thing, and then he got to go to school, and so. You have multiple layers of potential fraud in terms of the immigration fraud, the student loan fraud, and probably other misrepresentation as well. And the circumstantial evidence is very compelling here. Let's let's jump to that. But first, I want to show people. Listen, 
I am I am not saying I know anything definitively. I'm saying people have made these assertions. There have been bits of circumstantial evidence to the point that Star Tribune, a Pulitzer Prize winning paper, reported in June twenty on June twenty third, twenty nineteen. New documents revisit questions about Rep. Ilhan Omar's marriage history. Although she has legally corrected the discrepancy, she has declined to say anything about how or why it happened. They say, new investigative documents released by a state agency have given fresh life to lingering questions about the marital history of Rep. Ilhan Omar and whether she once married a man, possibly her own brother, to skirt immigration laws. Now, if, if there was, I'll say this, either Star Tribune is extremely reckless by saying it was possibly her brother, or there is circumstantial evidence many people have seen which say, yeah, that might have been her brother, right? And also, the Star Tribune is sort of the House Democrat Party paper in the area. They were very favorable towards Ilhan Omar the whole way. I mean, she was like the perfect progressive uh, sort of avatar for Minneapolis. So, yeah, you go in, you can look at the marriage certificate, you can look at the addresses that she was living in with the alleged brother-husband at the same time her actual husband was living in, like, the same place. You know, you can run through all of these different threads. Two things jump out at me, though, and one of the reasons I wrote this book is because the brother-husband thing was, like, the least of the potential issues that I saw in her. I said if you actually look at her on the merits, the regressive ideology that she harbors – the fact that she was sitting on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, which she still sits on, and if you applied the Russian collusion standard or any collusion standard her, links, ties, coordination with foreign adversaries. What I found and sort of the starting point for the book was she has ties to Erdogan in Turkey, substantial ties. When she was a state legislator, she had a meeting with Erdogan on the sideline of UN General Assembly. What state legislator from Minnesota has a Remember when she that? said uh, we should sanction Israel? because of human right abuses, but then said sanctioning Turkey would be a human rights abuse. A lot of people were Did, like, hey. Does she know. speak the language, Turkish? She doesn't. I don't believe she speaks the language, but she is featured in Turkish state media hmm. all the time. She's had meetings with several dignitaries from Turkey, always taking a pro-Turkish line. Turkey has relations with, close relations with Somalia, so I do think that that is a part of this as well, that she is pro-Turkish in large part because of that. And that's not even to get into, like, all of the domestic Islamist groups and individuals, you know, and... The anti-Semitism? So... Oh, yeah, that we didn't even get to that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. So this is what, what, what bugs me about... Uh, this is, And this is uh, a problem with the Democratic Party at, at large. Ilhan Omar did what I would refer to as crop-dusting anti-Semitism. You know, like, crop-duster plans get, like, real close to the ground, but they don't touch it. Mm-hmm. So she was saying, like, you know, she said it's all about the Benjamins. She said, you know, multiple, like, dual loyalties and stuff like that. And those are typically more more aggressive. Those tropes are used more aggressively in direct anti-Semitic attacks. So she didn't directly make it about being Jewish, but she, you know, she crop dusted the ideas, and it got a lot of people angry. And instead of doing anything about it, the multiple things, more than just you know that, a lot of people think she was overtly anti-Semitic. They just say we're going to denounce all forms of bigotry, and she's allowed to keep her positions and do whatever she wants. The Republicans would set their own on fire in two seconds, like they've done with Marjorie Taylor Greene. It was uh, was it Steve King, I think. Mm-hmm. He made that tweet about white nationalism. They kicked him out immediately, and then he lost his primary because Republicans are like, we don't want none of that. The Democrats, though, they're like, who cares? You know, when I'll tell you this, it's because of the media. Because and that's uh, there's another thing here. It's why Republicans care more about the opinion of the New York Times than the opinion of their constituents. 
because the Republicans know if they, if they fart, it'll be the, the headline paper on the New York Times, and the Democrats know they can do and say basically anything, and the papers will not cover you it. You got AOC being able to tweet tweet it out, and it's more popular than the New York Times. Like she has six million followers, I think. No, no, she, she has like twelve or thirteen. Twelve million followers on Twitter alone. Part of the thesis of the book was that the closing ranks around Omar to go from explicitly condemning Omar and her remarks to we're going to explicitly condemn bigotry of any kind that anyone has ever said and not name <laughs> her in the House resolution or resolutions around it. That was the turning point which showed you that the Democrat Party is all in and embracing the regressive progressives because either they think that that's where the party is going and that's where the power is or the party's already there. And I was writing this a couple of years ago and they're, they're there, I would say. Right. Now, the other thing worth noting just on the media point briefly, tangentially, is why is it always that it's just the Daily Mail that reports on Hunter Biden and Ilhan Omar? Notice how there are no domestic publications that ever delve into any of these things. I mean, with rare exceptions. It's, it's, you know, the New York Post, obviously, right. with Hunter Biden. But that said, how, why do you have to go to the Daily Mail to get your news about Ilhan Omar? Isn't that kind of strange? Yeah, you know, what's it, it's fascinating, too, is uh, Daily Mail is not bad. Uh, the left hates them, and they're always acting like it's it's fake news or whatever. But they typically have some of the most comprehensive breakdowns of news stories. You'll find they have four or five thousand words on a single story that the Hill will have three hundred on, and then and then they'll and then they'll attach you know related stories with like background information. I'm I'm, I'm rather impressed by that. It's a British company, Daily Mail. Daily Mail yeah, it's yeah. Murdoch too, right? It's, I think so. I think so. And and they had people on the ground for Ilhan Omar. There were like three journalists in the country, maybe, who were looking at her, and they were dogged in covering the Omar beat. I was so. a big fan of Al Jazeera getting my Middle East uh, news because I would read a lot of American propaganda, and then I'd go and read Al Jazeera and see like, oh, there's a lot more going on than what I'm getting fed by the American media. Mainstream Probably. media is um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, refuse, hmm. is, debris, is, 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 debris, is flotsam. <laughs> Most you know. of it. It's well, the flotsam is There's like coming. bits of they gold in the, in the sewage, and you're like, how do I get it out? But it's so effective, though. The hysteria, and I'm sure we'll talk about the coronavirus stuff, but the oh, yeah. hysteria engendered around it, where when we were talking before the show that it's sort of like in 9-11, after 9-11, people watching the TV every day. And I remember that. I was a kid, and, and I remember being glued to it every day. And you can see how people get whipped up to the point where we're talking about potentially mandating an experimental use drug, whatever you think about it, and you might think it's the greatest thing in the world or you might be skeptical of it, mandating at the point of a government gun, figuratively, injecting yourself with an emergency use anything that hasn't been tested over a long period of time. And that's just normal in 2021 America. Well, the, the worrying thing about that is just mandating something that a doctor could say you can't get. You, like you, you go to your doctor and the doctor says, I recommend no because you have underlying medical conditions. And now what? Now you can't go to the movies anymore? Apparently. Me. Yep. San Francisco and New Orleans and New York, I think one of the city. So, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been uh, you, you know, what it is, though, it's not necessarily the media. It is. But there's another component. It is the tribal cult like mentality these people have. It's authoritarianism, right? It's the strict adherence to the collective and so if the mass says so, they will just do it. They will that they want it and they have their brown shirts, right? So it's it's like with with you know, Mayo Gate we're calling it. They 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 will they know that it's stochastic terrorism, I guess that's what they call it, right? They like to accuse the right of doing it. And the idea is that Trump would come out and say something like, Oh, won't someone rid me of this priest? And then someone would go do it. He never directed him to do it. Hmm. The idea is that if you say a bunch of things enough, people will just take action. So you don't overtly tell people to do it. In this instance, it's exactly what's happening with, with the left. They'll come out and say, look at these restaurants. They're liars. They're evil. They, they, they're, they're far right because they know 
someone will then go attack them. And I've heard so many stories like this from conservatives where they're like, uh, they'll get a smear piece. Next thing you know, their, their phone's ringing off the hook. They're, they're getting kicked off social media. They've got people showing up at their houses. This has been going on for some time. And I'll tell you, it's like, a, it's like the rules for radicals, man. They accuse the Republicans and the right and the anti-establishment of doing exactly what they do. They, they, they project that because it's an effective offense. Then when you come back and there's like a regular person not paying attention, you say, look, look what they're doing. They'll be like, they said you were doing that first. And so then they just they, they get away with that it. tendency to believe the first thing you hear. If you hear a, a bunch of information, it's a lot of times it's the first one you hear that's like codes the mind, you know, the mental pathways. And then there it is. Also, no one sees the correction. They always see the story that gets spun out and then repeated a trillion times. And the lie told a trillion times before you get to the truth. Well, what's going to win? I'll, I'll give you a really good example of how this manifests in real life. Um, whoever calls the police first tends to win. So if Ian and I get into a fight and then I call the police, and I, I say tends to because it doesn't always work that way. And then I say, hey, I need help. This guy did this. When the cops show up and then I give a statement, I'm the one who called. I have the benefit of the doubt. There's actually uh, con artists exploit this. Well, what you do is I don't, I don't, I don't want to get into the full tricks. I think we've talked about it before, but con artists will do a trick where they will call the police on you and then get the cops to rob you for them. Because you called the cops, the cops will typically. So there's some information gathering you need first. There's some tricks, which I'm not going to explain because I don't want anyone to go and do this. But mm-hmm. yes, one of a very common hustle is to call the police on somebody. The cops will then search the person and then give over their possessions to That's you. That's wild. Yep, yep, yep. Whoever calls the cops first wins. I've been in, I've been in, I've had this, I've personally experienced situations like this where I've been the victim of a crime, but they, turned my phone off and then called the police on me and then the cops came and arrested me. Appeal to authority? Is that an argument tactic? Mm. Uh, tactic? The cops tell me, like, what are we supposed to do? Every time we show up, arrest both people? And I'm like, I called the cops first, but they turned my phone off. They took my phone they hung up on it. They they canceled it and then they called and the cops came and arrested me. And this is exactly how how Ilhan Omar has survived thus far. With that exact tactic. Calling the cops first? (laughs) Or just like what do you mean? No, I was, I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm saying oh. uh, <laughs> I was too much of a straight man there to, to, make, to make it land properly. But I mean, like, there's an element of that in the media. That's a thing, right? So the Democrats will be like, the Republicans are extremist terrorists. Then Antifa goes around smashing and destroying everything, and they say, well, it's self-defense because the Republicans are terrorists. <laughs> also, I mean, leftist ideology has lent itself historically to being violent and at the a point of a gun imposing your belief because it there's coercion that's necessarily built into it if you won't go along we're got, gonna have to make you go along and it's for your own good also by the way i mean who's ever heard of limited government live and let live people having bloody anti-cultural revolutions has that ever existed in the history well, of mankind i don't this, think so I, I like to use some of these analogies you know why is it that conservatives are more likely to get banned on social media uh if 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 i told you that uh dave rubin would be rallying a bunch of, you know, black-clad, masked, far-right extremists to Twitter HQ and would be smashing out windows and stuff. Would you believe it? No. No, of course not. Joke. It's not going to. But if I told you that, uh, uh, you know, Antifa, some left-wing organizers were going to be showing up with Molotovs and crowbars to Twitter HQ, would you believe it? Yeah, of course. So what do you think Jack Dorsey thinks when he's got his finger over the ban button? He's like, I could ban the right all day and night. They ain't going to do anything about it. I ban one leftist and they'll show up here with a brick. Nah, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Plus, they're in the Bay Area. So they're like, we, the last thing we need <laughs> is all these people storming the camp. Just get rid of the conservatives. But not to mention they're in the Bay Area. They probably agree with Antifa to a great extent. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's also, I feel like, a little bit of a self-loathing element to it, too. Like, how do they reconcile their leftism with their material success and, like, all the trappings that they have? There's probably a deep-seated psychological, not that I have any expertise in this, and that maybe that'll get me banned. Uh, but, <laughs> but that said, I do think that the, the deep-seated narcissistic psychological part of it is probably uh, discounted to an extent it shouldn't be. Let's talk about this story, too. Also, uh, an exclusive from the Daily Mail. Oh, boy. You know. At least 63 people on Martha's Vineyard have tested positive for COVID-19 since Barack Obama's maskless 60th birthday bash, the most cases on the island since April. So I don't know if all of these people were at his party, to be fair. It's just on the island, but the island is not particularly big. This is, this is a great story. Oh, I, I love it. Obama was like, I'm scaling back my party. It's still ridiculously massive. Celebrities are showing up. Erica Badu is posting selfies. No one's wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you, man, you could go to church and they call it a super spreader event. You actually had, you know, Cuomo in New York shutting down churches. This is the perfect example. I mean, I, I don't understand how. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I get it. Regular people. They'll see the, the news about Black Lives Matter protesting in the thousands. And then they're told, don't worry. According to the University of Colorado, it may have actually reduced the spread of COVID. That's right. Thousands of people standing shoulder to shoulder. Oh, yeah, because other people didn't want to go outside. But there's literally thousands <laughs> of people outside right now. What are you talking? And people see that. I think there's people who love it. Authoritarians just love brutalizing people. And then you have regular people who are scared of being brutalized. So when they see these stories, they're just like, I better just say nothing. Otherwise, they'll come for me. And that's that's the problem we face. You know, when it comes to that, that restaurant uh, that was being harassed, they don't want to be politically active. And I can get that. I can understand why. But this is your warning, man. Yeah. If you're using American money, you're politically active whether you want to be or not. That's, it's uh, You may not want war, but war wants to find you. Mm-hmm. There's... That's where it is ideologically. You want to pull it down a little bit? Yeah. You can move it around. Where we are right now, I think, is there was a time where you could disagree and that was it. But now it's you can't disagree. You have to go along with us. It's all about – and also, are your ideas so great if you have to be coercive and impose them on other people and you can't win with persuasion and argumentation? Yet, of course, words are violence, but actual violence is not violent. I found that if you you can't if you disagree and just say I don't believe it, no, they get really mad. But if you offer a counterpoint that's very intuitive, often, especially in a one-on-one situation, they're receptive to it. Even but in the hordes and the masses, things can start to change. When you're dealing with crowds, that's it's a little more difficult. This is a very creepy authoritarian time, hmm. right? Uh, Barack Obama announces his birthday party basically in defiance of all CDC regulation. And they, they don't bat an eye. Shout out to Barack Obama for exercising his First <laughs> Amendment right to go. congregate. <laughs> yeah. And that's over, That's right. That's right. Uh, it's we, been that way the whole time, though. It's right. rules for me, not for thee. And I, and I do think at, at a deep level, it's sort of just like thumbing their nose at, at, at the little people. And also, by the way, I mean, there are so many different knock-on effects to how this has increased the power of what I'll, you know, cliche, use the term ruling class. Like all of the major corporations, many major corporations, massively increased their market share during this time where mom and pop companies got destroyed. You got forced into living remotely and then using Zoom, you know, a Chinese product, of course. Uh, but even leaving that aside, we're in this atomized existence where everything is digital. So now you're using technologies of people who hate your guts and are going to collect 
infinitely more information on you as a consequence. You don't have to be That's a conspiracy right. theorist or not. This is just what has happened. It's, it's, and then, you know, like going out and, oh, I'm going to go on a vacation wherever. I'm going to have a party, mask mask, right, you know, just before we do put the mask man mandate in. I'll tell you what it is. The elites are gathering up as much silverware as they can before the ship, the, the ship sinks, right? So we hit the iceberg. There's still some time to get to the lifeboat. They saw that hit and they said, grab as much as you can on the way out. And they're going to grab as much as they can because that is them running to the lifeboat before anyone else can and then leave and see you I later, see, I think it's even more insidious because it seems like they're moving our industry into the, these Chinese corporations that are using slave labor. And they're just like, whatever. They steered us into the iceberg. Hmm. They steer us into the iceberg and then laugh and then jump on the boat and leave. The, the the question at the end of the day is, so I think that China is the greatest foreign threat that we face, although I think that we are we are our own worst enemy right now. If you're a self-loathing country, if you're a country that says, forget about merit, forget about what an individual brings to the table, we're going to divide each other on a million different bases and be at each other's throats all the time and basically celebrate mediocrity as opposed to excellence and repudiate everything that we're built on, that'll kill us well before China even gets to us. We'll do their job for them. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But that said, with the elites, they're now emulating China. Like, they've kowtowed to China for decades because they think, well, if we get entered this marketplace, you know, massive profits for us. And China, of course, has played us like a fiddle on that count. But now it's more of the emulation of like the American social credit system or the social credit system with American characteristics and the blending of big tech and the state and using that power together. I think, I, I, you know, you know how I would describe what's going on with the U.S. elites in, in China is kind of like, uh, you know, a, a vampire. And this, this, this guy meets the vampire and he's like, I want the power of the vampire so I can, you know, take power over all the people. And they're like, we can grant you this power, but you will be subservient to us. And so these elites are like, this is my in. Because in China, when you're in the party, you're set for life. No stress. Because I'll tell you this. In America, you're on a treadmill. And if you're, if you're walking, you're standing still. Mm. If you stop walking, you'll move backwards. You got to keep running to get ahead. Not when you're in the communist Chinese, the Chinese Communist Party. When you're in an authoritarian regime, you can finally sit back and say, I am secure of my power within reason. You still have to, you know, do work. But man, it's hard. With competition, it is so hard. You know, I, I remember when I was, when I was first starting in, in this industry, I had a guy telling me when I was 25, he was like, it's really great right now. Everybody loves you and they're, they're praising you for all the work you're doing. And by the time you're in your 30s, there's going to be some young kid who develops some new technique and some new tech and you're going to be chasing after him and he's going to be rising and you're going to be worried about your business going down. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, we'll see. But I get the idea, right? The idea that there's always someone at your heels 
So what, what these, these, these political elites, both Republicans and Democrats, are like, how do we just finally secure power in a way we don't have to worry about it anymore? Sell out to China. Too bad, because what you did was worked harder and then hired those guys. Mm-hmm. But what, what they're doing is they, they're, they're, they're tired of wow. playing this game, right? What do they do? Every few years, it's phone call, phone call, phone call, raise money, raise money. Oh, could you imagine? I, I imagine there's some like Chinese communist guy, and he's like sitting there with Mitch McConnell or whoever, and he's like, you know, you wouldn't have to do any of this fundraising if you just joined the Communist Party or made one. Hmm. And, they're, and the Republican or Democrat, they're like, really? It's like, that's right. You would just have the power forever. Two-year term. What is going on? These people are are in Congress for life. After five years, they get pensions for life. Come on. I, I Except for the occasional purges, you know, where yeah, a couple million get thrown in jail every now and again. Yeah. That's, <laughs> the only, yeah. that's, that's the one challenge that they have to deal with. In their system, I, I, I agree. Though I, I, I think, don't. Real quick, I don't know if that pension for life thing is true. Though. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought. Yeah. Look it up. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. But I think an element of this is, and it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. There was the theory that China is just going to overtake us, and so better to get on board with China and kowtow to them because you think that you'll maybe be one of the benighted party members someday. That's right. mm-hmm. However. Of course, it's those useful idiots who are the first ones that get lined up and shot in any revolution. <laughs> and so there's that. And then also on domestically, let's say the, the woke ideology overtook every single institution, which it already has to a large extent. But And they really ended up with their ideal endgame according to their tenets. Who would want to live in a country like that? I, the elites, they might be behind 50-foot walls with private security guards around them and stuff, but like you're, they can't send their kids to school. Like, ha, right, how is right. how is your life going to function? So I think it's it's short-sighted that authoritarian instinct ultimately is going to end up in a very, I mean, a disastrous situation for them and their families. Remember John Cena speaking hmm. Mandarin in that apology? It's pathetic. That says everything. The, these people have already been lining up at the door for China, for the money. You've got the NBA, you've got the video game companies. Anybody who, like, I'm sorry, man, I have, I have a rather negative view of, of where this country's headed because it's been decades now where we've been, as, as Ian pointed out, sending away our manufacturing base, our, our, our industry, the core of this country being extracted and sent off overseas, not just, not just to China, but other countries as well, and, and even Mexico. That's been happening for so long. Trump tries turning that around to a, to a great deal, and he succeeded in many ways. And... They weaponize the media institutions to crush it. You notice the greatest assault, the greatest attacks on Trump usually came from the national security and foreign policy and intelligence apparatus, and those were the areas where he was upsetting the apple cart, probably to a greater degree than anywhere else. They really, they didn't. Re- yes, they hated a million different things about him. They hated him aesthetically. I think mm-hmm. he grated on them. Oh yeah, but. They also really hated the fact that he threatened their power and privilege because he tried to undo the establishment, progressive, Wilsonian, however you want to describe it, national security and foreign policy. He was a threat. To, they perceived him as a threat to their power and privilege. The people who are voting in more more uh, of the uniparty, and I don't just mean Democrats. It's like McConnell saying we need more troops in Afghanistan. There are a lot of populist right individuals now who are running for uh, that we're going to see in the midterm, which is which is really uh, cause for optimism. But the uniparty itself, like, look, the neocons fled to the Democratic Party when Trump got elected. And then all of a sudden the Democrats became that tower or whatever. I just think it's hilarious. The idea that you have people voting in their own destruction while thinking they're not thinking they're the ones who, who aren't they're not paying attention. And it's funny when you look at the polls, independent voters and Republican voters think the economy is doing bad. Well, I think by most metrics, they would be correct. The Democrats think the economy is doing fairly good. 
which by most metrics makes literally no sense unless you're in a cult. Isn't that funny? But what the media is able to do is they're able to point to the fringest of Trump supporters to claim that represents all of you know everyone anyone who's anti-democrat or anti-establishment is that one small fringe of of the the diehard Trump supporter you know and then you get these people that are effectively voting in their own serfdom this is what I think I think it's kind of funny like in in the end I don't think I, I don't think necessarily uh, well let me put it this way I'm I'm not worried I'm not worried about myself I think if the country falls apart if we end up with some, you know, internal conflict, civil conflict or something like that, it would suck really bad. I think China would then easily just sweep across, crush our allies, take over everything and become the dominant empire. And that seems to be like what will happen, considering what's happening in this country. And I know that I will survive. I'm confident in my abilities. I've been homeless before. I'm not all that worried. I think it'll be an adventure. But I'll tell you, these people in the cities are going to cry a deep cry. They will sob a sob. They've never sobbed before. If they if they only could see the future as to what they are going to bring to their 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 countrymen, to the men and women of this nation, man, I'm not going to pretend like a, a voting Republican gets you out of the problem either. It's like the Republicans are the speed bump, the Democrats are the ones setting fire to the the building in the first place. So I don't know what you do, but I think when when all the bricks come tumbling down, I don't know. Life will suck for the most part. Mostly conservatives will probably be fine urban liberals will probably be in very serious. Uh, I don't know if that's even safe to say, because if we're really headed towards what you're talking about, uh, okay, if you play Fallout, the theme is 2060, there's a war between America and China. I'm worried about that, a nuclear war. Then I'm worried about an artificial intelligence war, a robot war, where they have drones flying around, patrolling the skies, shooting at anything that moves. People are running from building to building all over Earth. That's very, and then no one, no human at that point will be safe. That's very likely. If we don't get our stuff together right now as a race, that is very possible as a future option. We're going that route, man. We're going many routes at once, but that is one of them. The the, the drones in the sky, AI seeking out, you know, Skynet and stuff, maybe not too far-fetched considering what they already have with the, you know, the Reaper drones and stuff like that. But I – so maybe. I I don't think they have enough of them for a country as large as the United States. But they can make drones that can make drones. If – when AI is working twenty four seven and doesn't get tired, it, someone it's, has to, to bring another, supplies to them. It's not. It's not that simple. We are, I, we, I don't we, know, man. Maybe maybe in thirty to fifty years, we might have the infrastructure maybe. for for. Look, someone's got to mine the materials. Right. But it, ten and years humans, go by, and then it's only twenty to forty years, and then another ten years go by. If, and when we're like, we, what when, have we done? You know, we when we can careful. solve the mining problem of how you, we got humans and sulfur mines and things like that, then there'll be a big change. For the time being, it's a human task. Mm-hmm. And then you probably be mining asteroids. And then you might have a, a self-driving truck delivering the materials to the A, but I, I don't think that's the that's the issue. I think that's something to be concerned about. No, I think the bigger issue is the economy just crumbles. That's the short-term problem. Yeah, and I'm saying in, if the economy if the economy crumbled right now, and you'd go to the store and a gallon of milk was a hundred bucks, and there was like three available, and people are fighting over a can of beans in the parking lot, I think I'd be fine. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be comfortable, and I wouldn't pretend like I'm going to be sitting atop a throne or anything. No, it would be a constant battle for survival when there's like limited goods and no fuel. But the people in the cities and the suburbs, they ain't going to be having a good go. They're going to be in the parking lot fighting for beans with Agnes. I, I keep hearing that China's a paper tiger. Have you? You've been studying this a lot. Have you found stuff like this? And what I mean by that is that they're putting on a big show of force, but that they're actually very weak and, and, and vulnerable right now as a government. 
So, I mean, you know, it'd be cliche to say act weak when you're strong and act strong when you're weak. And, and their strategy was hide your strength, bide your time. That was really sort of the overarching vision of Deng Xiaoping and then sort of build up. And then you can start acting very assertively and aggressively. I think that – I don't think that they're 50 feet tall – uh, and they might think that we're 50 feet tall, which should mean that we really have to up our game because they're a lot more serious than we are. I mean, when we have our generals talking about, you know, General Milley talking about, I really want to understand white rage. What kind of message? <laughs> Antif- does- he means Antifa. Yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, no, right, yeah. <laughs> well, what kind of message does that send to a people that has no qualms about killing its own citizens, crushing Hong Kongers, threatening Taiwan, threatening Chinese nationals abroad in every single country, uh, they don't. I don't. I don't think they perceive us to be serious. So that's dangerous potentially that they have that perception that we're not serious. But I think also it's re- it's reality in a lot of respects. Now, are they a paper tiger? Like if you're looking at how many you know nuclear warheads do they have, and you go through all those conventional weapons, I don't think that ultimately the conflict. I think we're in the conflict with China. That, that'd be the first thing I'd say. They've been in at war in one way or another with us for decades. Would be my Probably argument. Probably since the late 1800s, since the Opium Wars. Well, you could go back and they, and so that, and that would be a grievance. You know, they have kind of their historical narrative of the West putting them down and constantly now they're going to rise up and we're going to be, you know, return to our being the center of the world, the Middle Kingdom. You know, are, are their economic numbers real? I would put zero stock in, you know, we grew at 35% last year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put any stock in that whatsoever, but where they clearly have significant power is in the realm of Influence over everyone else. The fact that you can bring an American to his knees to kowtow over Taiwan, I think, tells you all you need to know. Do they do that when it comes to America? Do they do the reverse? And also, they understand how foolish we've been. I mean, the business community just put out a letter recently. I wrote about this at Newsweek saying to the Biden administration, you really need to go back to the table on more negotiating with China because we need to increase trade and economic engagement with China. And it starts and and you got to remove those tariffs as soon as possible also. We understand, you know, there are all sorts of issues with China's predatory economic practices, but we really need to get back to the table and it and by the way, it's America first too. It's good for the American workers. <laughs> There's going to be an anti-inflationary policy. You'll watch, you'll see. On what basis whatsoever would any serious people say, you know what, I've seen the way China's acted just over the last 18 months. Let's definitely go and engage more with them. When that has been the entire strategy, it's been a bear hug strategy. It's let's invite the West in. They'll give us capital. We'll steal their technology. Mm -hmm. They'll get nothing out of us ultimately. We'll have all of the major industries dominated, monopolized, so that during something like a pandemic, for example, we can threaten to withhold essential medicines from you. So the, the, or control five G infrastructure. The, the funny, the funny thing about this is, mm-hmm. we have the the, the uh, Xinjiang province, the Uyghur Muslims, and that I can't even make a joke about them considering it when it comes to these 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 trade deals. Like I'd like to make a joke where there's like some corporate executives being like, "Gentlemen, we've just got this report that they're torturing, they're forced, there's forced abortions." These people are being, you know, is an ethnic cleansing. This is horrible. We have to consider our business practices with this country. I can't even make that joke because when they're sitting in the office, some guy goes, "Oh, did you hear they got a concentration camp? Huh. Does it affect our bottom line? Not at all." Huh. Praise the Lord. It's like, all right, great. What's our numbers this time around? Oh, anyway, moving on. They don't care at all about that stuff. Collateral damage. So, so you have to understand it's outside of the fact that they're ripping us off, stealing our IP. They're threatening us in terms of the South, the South China Sea. They're threatening Taiwan, one of our, one of our allies and our chips, computer chips that we need. 
And they're also just morally repugnant within their own country. That's what I'm wondering. And we're just like, America's just like, yeah, but you know, it's the cow power, right? You brought up the word kowtow a few times. It basically means, I'm looking at the definition here, act excessively subservient manner. But it comes from a Chinese idea that you would go to the emperor, bow on your knees, put your forehead on the ground and beg submission from the emperor and the emperor. John Santa. And forward, foreign (laughs) leaders would go (laughs) to China and they would bow and put to the emperor and like, and then you'd have the blessing of China, and they would send you money, and they would send you troops, and they would send you architects and things to come work with you. And is it still like that? Is there still a Chinese emperor? I don't even know right now. Is it a Xi Jinping? Well, Xi Jinping is <laughs> is the emperor. So, so they dispelled with the empire. Now it's just a communist party. But he's still acting as if the child he's the child of heaven. Is this? It's a it, it's it's a communist party, but with Confucian characteristics. He's. I mean, look, I don't think that Xi Jinping is like this great philosopher, king, dictator, <laughs> but but he's sort of blended propagandistically the traditional Chinese cultural ethoses with communism. And so he is the n- next thing to Mao. I mean, he's number two after Mao essentially there. Now, of course, yeah, like Michael Bloomberg talking about like, well, he has domestic constituencies too, even though it's not a democracy. I mean, he, he has – he has other members of the Communist Party who would probably like to have his seat. But like I said, he also engaged in a purge soon after he entered, which he called an anti-corruption purge, which is basically taking out two to three million members of the party, wow. uh, probably who he felt you know were a threat to him. I mean, uh, jailing, not always m- murdering them. But, you know, that's just another day. It's in, the Goblin in, King, man. It, <laughs> you know, you got to kill the king to be the king. Yeah, who's the, what's the real power of China? They put Mao or they put a what's his name, Xi Jinping in the front. But I imagine it's like an oligarchical dark state like a quiet people behind the scenes that no one knows who they are that are running things he everyone is answerable to him obviously like you know first of all it's also worth noting their military the pla is the chinese communist party's military it's not china's military it's a distinction worth making it's the party's military arm and she has taken substantial control over that military in his time running the country Look, it's very clear that the private companies, there's been a massive regula- regulatory crackdown. I mean, you gotta put all these things in air quotes there, but massive regulatory crackdown. Jack Ma, you know, was essentially disappeared for months and then reemerged. They scuttled the IPO that his company was gonna go through. His value went from 900 billion to 450 billion. At least, and it's probably still dropping. They're just selling off parts of his companies to party members and who else? I don't know. In July of 2021, U.S. listed Chinese companies lost $400 billion in market value under this regulatory crackdown. You talk about oligarchical powers. I mean, the people running these companies who are all party members, obviously, if those are your oligarchs, they're being cut down to size in real time. So, like, there are vulnerabilities. I mean, there are vulnerabilities which we'll never know. And do I trust our intelligence to see them? I don't know. But that said, yeah, look, in a system like that with a one-man dictator, he obviously has to answer to other people because they're all at his throat all the time, right. not his, not his citizen, right. not the citizenry. And like who I owns the, the party owns the land? So yeah. who owns the party? The Goblin King, whoever is. That's wh- what they say. That's what they make us think. But I don't think so. I think Mao is too dangerous. So they, they make sure that it's like a, a puppet now. I, I am not convinced even our intelligence agencies are uh, genuinely con- concerned with preserving and protecting this nation. I think when you look at Afghanistan and, 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 the, and the Afghan papers, what you really have is a disaster where everyone's just like, I don't want to get in trouble. How much can I extract from the system before it all falls on my head? I think that of like every institution I'm looking at. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's almost like with Trump, there was this 
kind of sporadic, bombastic attempt at some kind of cobbling together a, a return to, I guess, na- some kind of nationalism. Like we're going to have borders. We're going to have uh, we're going to put more controls on immigration. We're going to have the industries come back. We're going to try and help the American people get jobs and better their lives. And that was a threat to those who are trying to extract the last little bit from the system. So they all collectively screen. It's a, it's it's um what's the right word for it? Basically, the confidence in this country has been lost for a long time to the point where even our elites have no confidence in it, mm-hmm. and they're selling out to China, among other uh, among other sellouts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You saw it. Perfectly personified in the conversation between the Secretary of State Blinken and the National Security Advisor and their meeting with their Chinese counterparts in Anchorage. And by the way, what did China do to deserve to have that high level meeting? I mean, in the first place, if you're really serious about them and you ascribe primary culpability in the coronavirus pandemic at the very least spreading worldwide, well, of course, they protected themselves. Why would you ever meet with them over anything? I mean, they should be viewed as they're the most culpable country in this. And Trump said, you know, $10 trillion, that's probably an underestimation of what they should pay in terms of recompense. But that meeting, the Chinese Communist Party dignitaries basically said, oh, you're going to attack us over human rights? Well, look at you. You're a systemically racist country and your history is awful, et cetera. And, and Blinken and, and, and uh, Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, sort of like, well, we accept your premise, but – you have no moral com- – you have no confidence. You have no vision. Basically, you're saying, yeah, we agree. Our, our adversary's propaganda that the left has put out about America for decades is true. They've drank the Kool-Aid. Right. So who's going to defend the country if you say that at core it is a rotten, deplorable, yep. irredeemable country? When when you have a substantial amount of people in this country saying that, it's a self-fulfilling, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And when you have this critical race applied principles now manifesting in our schools – manifesting in our media the rot has got to the foundation and how long can the building stand racial marxism that that which is you know it's really just a rhetorical game critical race theory in a lot of ways it's it's like putting a a just and virtuous veneer on your regressive ideology of saying well we're fighting for the good people and you're the bad people etc but i i totally agree it's the rot and the corruption is incredibly deep. On the other hand, maybe more people are awake to the fact that this is a game that's being played than ever before. It's never been exposed, I think, in such crystal clear fashion how corrupted all the institutions are. The blindfold has been removed, I think, for a lot of people. But the question is how many people and how far gone are we? I am... I'm optimistic and pessimistic in, in a certain way. I think that when it comes to the rise of China... You're familiar with Thucydides' trap? 
we've, we've, we, we discuss it quite a bit on this show. Like, so I, I think there's this real fear among elites that a war is inevitable. And so if they hobble America, it will prevent that war from <laughs> happening. So it's take the, the crowbar to the knee poof, to America, and then we avoid the war because America can't stand up against China. So I'm, I'm pessimistic in that sense. I'm optimistic in the sense that I think I'm starting to feel more and more like what power cancel culture and all these things had has been weakened to a certain degree. Seeing these parents start rising up. One parent actually punched a teacher, like beat him pretty bad. That's, a, that's an awful story, man. But you see the parents are getting so fed up with what's happening in these schools. They're snapping. And we had, we had Bannon on the show, and he said, come August 15th, you, when these parents figure out what they're doing to their kids, they're going to go nuts. Seeing these parents you know, come up, I'm kind of like, aside from the, I don't like the violence, but the parents going out and protesting and saying no to these schools, the, 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 the push for homeschooling or for pods, school pods, where like local, like the, the kids in the neighborhood will all go with one tutor or whatever, mm-hmm. get taught. Uh, that's optimistic because maybe maybe we get hobbled and maybe China does make a big move and becomes the the, 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 the economy of the world, the super economy uh, in 2028 or whatever. There's real risks that we're going to lose out if China falls to, to, to mainland China, if Taiwan falls to China and uh, what that means for the United States in terms of our resources, our access. But I do think there's always a, a light, there's always a, you know an open window and a door is shut. That's we're going to start seeing people start waking up to this. The hard times will create strong men, and then there there will be some kind of resurgence. That'd be if, if Taiwan were to fall to China. That would actually be if China were to fall to the CCP, because Taiwan right. is China. Exactly, the Republic of China is China. That's the right. CCP's co-opted, and West Taiwan is you know being has been taken yeah. over by communists. So. That's true. Yeah. So if the Republic of China can take back West Taiwan. It was funny. I, I posted that meme. You ever see it? West Taiwan. <laughs> and all of mainland China just says West Taiwan. <laughs> and boy, do people get mad. <laughs> they don't like that one. All of the Chinese bots. Mm-hmm. Let, let, let's talk about what's happening here in the U.S. and why I think, you know, look, man, things aren't, aren't, aren't looking too pretty. We got this story from TimCast.com. Biden administration has discussed mandating vaccines for interstate travel. The administration is reportedly looking for ways to make life more uncomfortable for those who do not comply. The AP reports, quote, well, more severe measures such as mandating vaccines for interstate travel or changing how the federal government reimburses treatment for those who are unvaccinated and become ill with COVID, have been discussed. The administration worried that they would be too polarizing at this time. An administration official said the interstate travel vaccination requirement was not under consideration at the moment. That's not to say they won't be implemented in the future as public opinion continues to shift toward requiring vaccinations as a means to restore normalcy, the report adds. I think this is a big ask. You know, you're familiar with the big ask? Ask someone for $100, they recoil and say, okay, fine, how about 50? And then they say, oh, that sounds better, hmm. even though it's still 50 bucks. This is them being like, well, we want to mandate interstate, you know, passports for interstate travel. So everyone goes, whoa, that's crazy. And they say, well, hold on. If you just get vaccinated, we won't have to worry about it. So I think it's a big ask. They're trying to show you something completely unreasonable. But that says to me that if that's the direction they have to go, if that's what they have to say to get to that point, we're dangerously close to it as it is. If for some reason... Public opinion just shifts in its direction like they claim, which I don't think so because parents are freaking out. You know what would happen if they implemented mandate uh, vaccine mandates for interstate travel? All the people that can't get them for medical purposes couldn't travel. It would be insane. Mm-hmm. I, I Completely mean, disrupt the social sure. structure of the country. The country would just fall apart instantly. Right. Because you've got, in the area where right now, we're in a tri-state. So we got to cross the state borders to go to the store. If I want milk, we gotta we got to go to a different state. Mm-hmm. So what happens when they're like, you got to stop at a checkpoint? The bridge would be cluttered. How are they going to? Che- they're going to checkpoint people and ask for their 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 app or something. Otherwise, there's no real mandate if like you just what, let everyone drive through. Spend a trillion dollars to pay policemen to sit at every border crossing. 
This is interesting. During the, uh, the the lockdowns, there it was like you were told you couldn't travel outside the states. Like you know, Ian, you mentioned before you said no lockdowns didn't happen. Lockdowns happened. Okay, so where we are, they, the states had rules that you could not leave the state, and if you did, you had to quarantine. I think yeah, I remember. So that. you could get in your car and drive. There were some exemptions for people who live within a certain amount of uh, certain miles of a border of a state. So where we are, it was like we were exempted. We were allowed to. But there was uh, someone I was talking to up in Massachusetts. We wanted to have them come on the show. And they said the problem was when they drive to the store to get milk, they have to drive across the border. And then they could get stopped or, according to the law, they have to quarantine. So they were concerned, like, if I leave and come back, they're going to they're gonna force me to lock down. I can't leave the house for two weeks. I can't even go to the store. So they were forced to go further out in their own state. These things have happened. They didn't have people at the borders. They, some places did have this. I think Texas had this. I think New Mexico had this in some areas. And I think Connecticut had this in some areas. But if they went across the board with this, you might as well just consider each state its own country at that point. Like like the EU or something. Yeah. Even though they don't have checkpoints between <laughs> the EU countries and the, in the Schengen zone. You know, global warming used as a pretext for deindustrialize your economy and you know, go back to go back to the land, I guess. Similar thing here. Public health as a justification for whatever you want to do in terms of imposing authority. Public health and national security grounds are going to be the grounds that are used, intentionally or not, to eviscerate everything. I mean, we've seen with coronavirus, obviously, the censorship associated with it. And that's government by proxy via big tech abrogating the First Amendment. You see it with locking everyone down but letting social justice warriors out into the streets, selectively allowing people to enjoy their rights. Locking down places when, look, in a free society, there are risks. People weigh the risks and then they act accordingly if we're a free society. But clearly we're increasingly not free society. Can Can I violate Godwin's law for a second? Yeah. You know that the Nazis claimed Jewish people carried typhus. Wow. And that was one of the reasons they needed to to mark people. Jeez, and, and they were all in. Yeah, they, 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 look, public health is a really easy and easy way for authoritarians to get in because people are scared of disease. You, you don't want to kill people, that, right, right, right? That's the whole thing. I always say this: Did you, you know when we when you watch movies like we, or when you read books like 1984, or when you watch these nightmare dystopia movies, when you watch *Viva Vendetta*, did you think that when authoritarianism came to your front door, there would be no excuse? <laughs> Like when, when you see these movies where it's like there's the resistance and they just live in this nightmare dystopia, do you think that one day the, the, the chancellor stood up and said, oh, by the way, I'm not a dictator and we're a fascist? Right. You know, Did you think and, it would be obvious when they came? Because it wasn't and it well, never will be. No, it, it is. Not when they really come. It is obvious. No, they're, sub, they're subterfugal, man. You never see it coming. That's the point. you got to be aware and Ian, stay back from the you're, situation. You're, you're incorrect. We are watching it happen. It you saw more, it. But no, I, no, 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 no. I didn't realize it when COVID came out right, that it was going to be like this. Right now, they are saying they're they are discussing passports for interstate travel. It is in your face, but they have an excuse for it. So people gladly drop to their knees and say, please, state, keep me safe and take my freedoms from me. Because apparently these people never read anything from Benjamin Franklin. Those who would give up their freedom or was it essential liberties for a little bit of security deserve neither and will lose both. Mm-hmm. I really agree with your point on your perspective on this statement uh, about what they could be doing if they want. I thought the first thing I thought was that it's a flex. It feels like a big military flex. Like, you know, we could shut everything down, all the borders, but we're not gonna. And it's like they're holding that over over our heads. 
they want to. But it is Overton window shifting. Yes. It right. makes what what is perceived as reasonable six months from now what's crazy today. And they've done that in so I mean, two weeks to slow, slow the curve. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, and like we've never locked down our country ever before. Certainly not for those periods of time. For any reason whatsoever. It, the the power grabs have been, to your point, so in your face and the the and and look, you also just said as public opinion shifts, but there's something called a constitution. I mean, it clearly isn't worth the paper it's printed anymore. It shouldn't right. be if public opinion shifts. It's what's the law? What's not? You know, obviously they don't they don't care. I don't think the law like the CDC either. eviction thing. You know, where he's basically like, yeah, I know it's not constitutional and whatever, but it's you know it's tough times. I mean, we, then then you don't then your law is worth nothing. But you're the, not a free I, Western I, country anymore. I think the law is mostly worth nothing. I think culture is everything. There are certain laws on the books we've we've talked about in the show, like. Uh, you know, I was, there's this old book you can, you can get where it's like laws that would shock you or whatever, and it's just like this little yeah. trivia thing. And it's like you can't put an apple pie on the windowsill <laughs> on Thursdays. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't use your your garden hose at 3 p.m. on a Monday afternoon in a full moon. And you're like, what are these weird laws that never get enforced, but they're all in the books? Because culturally, we say, oh, that's absurd. No one would do that. So even though the law clearly states you can't, we never got rid of it. And there's a ton of really crazy laws <laughs> still in the books. People super chat them. Uh, super chat to us all the time. So what happens is we got a constitution, but if they can, they can just keep pushing to the point where we're clearly beyond the constitution. What what happens now is they say we're not violating your rights by shutting down your speech on a private platform, even if that private platform is the only place political disc- is is the dominant place political discourse happens. We are not violating your right to bear arms by telling you you can't own specific firearms. You can always have a single loaded, you know, bolt action or whatever. They're saying we're not violating your Third Amendment rights by mandating you house people because only some of those people are soldiers. We're not violating your Fourth Amendment rights with search and search and seizure because I smelled pot. So eventually they keep saying things like this. And then once these, once these amendments are, are, are just washed over, they'll say, the Constitution, we haven't used that in years. No one takes that seriously. Wow. That's right. And even now that, you know, the left and, and, you know, maybe Republicans too, but primarily the left, they will appeal to the Constitution when they think it serves them. And when it doesn't, they'll say, well, it's an old document and it's outdated and it wasn't made for the times and it's, it's a living document. And also China analog here, China, they have rule by law as opposed to rule of law. Mm. And that is increasingly where we are. It is rule by law. And also that law is selectively applied. And if you apply the law to one person one way and another person another way, then you have no rule of law. Double standard justice means no justice. So what's the difference of rule by law and of law? Well, rule by law is essentially whatever the state says goes. Anarcho-tyranny. The rule of law is the state state has to adhere to the documents of law. And 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 at core, the sovereign people at the end of the day. Rule by law is, oh, we're going to put a national security law in the books which says – and they really have this – intelligence and national security laws – you know, if your company is dealing in sensitive information or if the state needs it, basically you have to turn over everything to us and serve us as an apparatus. And also, like, the, the law doesn't mean what it, whatever's on paper doesn't actually mean anything at the end of the day. It's what the ruler says it is. That's a, it's, it's an arco-tyranny, right? So here in the U.S., you can see, like, January 6th is a great example. They will, I mean, these people are in solitary. They're getting months in prison for uh, many of them, but literally just charged with trespassing. Some of these people, there's one video of like an old lady walking through a door where a cop holds it open for her and she's getting charged. Like, come on, man. If I go to a building and a cop's like, right this way, sir, I'd be like, cool. And they're like, you trespass. <laughs> That's let like me the in. literal example of entrapment. He entrapped. That's true. Them. That's a good point. Cause entrapment requires some coercion on the part of the government. If the government comes to you 
and said, well, actually, maybe not. Maybe not. No, they say, come right in, sir. And you walk in and then they arrest that's you not for tre- trespassing. It's not, tre- it's not entrapment. They have to, they have to coerce you in some way. They have if to say, he said, come on in, that's coercement. No, it's not. Uh, or did he just, did he just step aside and hold? If he opened a door for someone. Entrapment would be, Ian, if you don't do this, I'll punch you in the face. Oh, and so at threat. He, you have to be threatened into doing so, it. Uh, so they have not, to say, not like, enticed. you know, we'll, we'll take your child away from you or you'll, you, you know, we'll, we'll come for you. Got we'll it. do X to you. That's coercion. So it's not entrapment, but it clearly shows it wasn't trespassing, right? So you have right now the government willing to enforce anything to bolster its power. Meanwhile, Antifa can go and burn down your business with impunity because that's anarcho tyranny. They they only it, it's it's look, man. Ian, you made a Fallout reference already. It feels to me. Like, are you familiar at all with the Fallout franchise? What about yep? So it feels to me like the government at this point is just the enclave, <laughs> and they leave every everything else is the wastes. And then when they want to take and do whatever they want, they just go and do it as if we don't exist. So crazy. They don't serve the people. It is just institutions of power that serves itself. Yeah, we there's so much um, hope and with technology lately like you can de- withdraw the carbon dioxide from the air and ter- deposit it on a palladium make graphene with it you can you know iron fertilize the oceans to regrow the plankton to rebloom the fish population you can shatter coral and it all grows at the same time to regrow coral reefs you can seed bomb deserts to plant tree like hundreds of millions of trees per day there's you know so much it's so easy if we know what to do and work together we, we do you know what my favorite terraforming method is you mentioned a lot of really great things that we can do to help heal the planet. My favorite is building a casino in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good point. Because that's what Vegas did, and now yeah. there's clouds. That's amazing. They got clouds there now, and they got grass. They bring it all in. They import water and food, and then people fly there, and then they, they drain bathrooms, which puts more water into the system, and the water evaporates. Yeah, we're, we're mechanically, like, terraforming Las Vegas. It's really interesting. But let, let's talk about La, La Resistance, because oh. uh, I saw this meme. First, we, we have this story. From TimCast.com, two visitors arrested in Hawaii for using forged vaccine cards. Governor David Ige, is that how you pronounce it, made the announcement on Twitter. Hmm. Here are these two men. Apparently, they had fake vaccine cards because you got to quarantine for two weeks. Here's what's fascinating. There was a meme on Reddit where like, someone on Twitter said, morons out here be spending 400 bucks on fake vaccine cards when the vaccine is free. And then all the comments are like, that's how stupid these people are. They're so dumb. You can just get a free vaccine card with your vaccine. Why spend 400 bucks? I'm like, man, these people are really that stupid. They don't understand why they forge vaccine cards. It's because they don't want to get the vaccine. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Have you considered this? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing to me. Uh, I think the big problem with, uh, we're, I think we're definitely going to see a lot more of this. We've got, we got this other story here. This is, this is uh, really interesting from Mashable. Black market mm-hmm. for fake vaccine cards is thriving on Telegram. Oh, yeah. Channels with hundreds of thousands of subscribers would be happy to sell you a counterfeit for 100 bucks. Now, my understanding, it is illegal if the CDC logo is on it. That's what, that, that's what I heard. So there was a report that came out said, do not buy these. They're illegal if you have them. If they're using federal government logos masquerading as a, an official document. But I guess, and I'm, I'm, if it's just a, postcard that says vaccine must be okay i guess the vaccine card that i had when i when i traveled to venezuela was just a yellow card and it said vaccine schedule and then the doctor signed the vaccines on it and then he wrote vaccines on it and then signed it and there was no official anything on it it was just a yellow postcard i had to show that in venezuela when i went to the country they were like because you have to have certain you know vaccines to enter the country so in this regard i don't know how you how you enforce these things you know, these lockdowns. That, that's why I think a lot of it might be saber rattling or threats of intimidation or big asks. Also, could they even competently execute it? Let's mm. say they did impose the system. I mean, I guess 
maybe you could say that bureaucratic incompetence might be the saving grace as we head down this path of a social credit system with American characteristics and you have to show your papers to function in life. And also the officials act like, you know, they're being so beneficent. Like if you just get this card, you can live like an American once again. How how disturb that was basically Bill de Blasio, New York's mm-hmm. godforsaken mayor, uh, on the way out. That was essentially what he said, almost verbatim. You can go about your daily lives and do what you did before, so long as you have this card. You know, you know what I, I'm calling it. The lockdowns are back. Mm. They are locking down cities. They're legit, unless you get a vaccine. The, to, to you in New York and San Francisco and New Orleans, the city is entirely locked down. You can't go into any restaurant or gym or bar or venue or theater or, or whatever unless you have the vaccine. That's a lockdown. Maybe it's gated. The cities are gated. They're locked down. Well, and this also gets to the delicious challenge for the so-called anti-racist, the racist anti-racist, mm. who oh, yeah. define equity in terms of outcomes and, and, of course, disparate treatment as a reflection of racism in a case like this if you have – ethnic minorities in this country who disproportionately do not get vaccinated and their lives are made miserable as a consequence of these mandates what are the, what does the what does Ibram X Kendi say about this and James Lindsay tweeted about this so I'm, I'm everyone's got to ask the critical race theorists yeah if the the black population are the least likely to be vaccinated then who is getting excluded from public accommodations right now overwhelmingly the black use population. their own racism against them mm-hmm. I mean it's literally a racist policy to implement I actually think it's a good reason not to have vaccine mandates because of it course. creates racial disparity. And <laughs> I, I oppose that stuff. I'm in favor of the civil rights protesters and, and, that, and that movement. I think public accommodations should uh, provide accommodation to the public. I've always maintained that position. I've had a lot of conservatives who like, you know, uh, I, I've always argued, I think if you have a bakery and someone comes in, I actually said, I think the baker should write the message. But I understand the First Amendment argument. He actually won on that one. So maybe I'm wrong. I'm just like, if it were me, I'd be like, I don't consider it my speech. Well, let, let me slow down a bit. The the bakery thing everyone knows about in Colorado, he was willing to serve uh, uh, serve the gay couple who wanted the cake. He just didn't want to write specifically what they wanted him to yeah. write because he didn't want to be compelled to speak to speech. I understand that. My thing is like, in general, so I, I think I actually agree with conservatives in that regard. Um, what I'm saying is, if somebody of different racial background or identity or national origin comes to your business, I think you should have to serve them because we're all taxpayers here, man. You're occupying space. They're coming in. You should be able to throw someone out for some, you know, BS reasons. That being said, if they start screaming or yelling or they smell bad or whatever, you got reason. civil disruption. Of course. Yeah, you're allowed to kick them out and things like that. You know what I mean? No, you're not though. Now you got to let them squat in your house. That's right. You gotta. That's right. You have no. I mean, the criminals. If you're an illegal alien, you have more rights than a U.S. citizen in some respects. It's amazing, isn't it? They're talking about these vaccine mandates for interstate travel. Meanwhile, the border is just... (laughs) Did you see Ivory Hecker's... uh, She went down to the border and got video footage of buses coming back and forth. And she talked to an incoming migrant. I think he was an incoming migrant that had a piece of paper on the back that said, I do not speak English. Uh, Where should I go to catch my flight? And on the back was his flight itinerary, taking him like into the middle of the United States. Yep. Is that confirmed that he was like in from across the border? Yo, Joe Biden was smuggling children into this, other, his, this is his like administration. This two days ago. What? Right. Yeah, Ivory, by the way, that was an exclusive reporter. Tim yeah. They, yeah. Timcast picked that up, man. Yeah, she went down to the border and she was like, what's going on? And she got, you know, footage of all this stuff. So it's, I, it's, it's, I it's haven't stuff. personally confirmed that he was from across the border, but it's... I think I'm that's what I'm pretty sure that is correct. That I was mean, the, the yeah, message. There's more that's than crazy. one. They, they get these manila folders with their itineraries, and they're like, where do I go now? 
And uh, so what are we at? We're at 1.2 million, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep. 1.2 on million. On the books. On the books, right. Yeah. And also, by the way, this, I mean, there's so many different things that can be said about this, but this is a super spreader event. It is a rolling perpetual super spreader event, the open border, number one. Forget about the national security implications of this, which aren't even talked about in context of an open border. And then, you know, we just had the census results that everyone wanted to talk about. And one of the things that's not talked about, and I hammered this home, I don't know why this arcane point stuck with me, but in relation to the open borders, and I wrote about this a bunch over the last couple of years when the Trump administration essentially made, wanted to make respondents to the census say, are you a citizen or not? Why is that important? Non-citizens, including illegal aliens, get counted in the census. Consequently, the numbers ascribed to them are used for apportioning congressional seats and also allocating hundreds of billions of dollars down to and the states and localities. And electoral. So there, very few people bring this point up. They, they ne- we, no one talks about this. We, this is foreign interference in elections. Right, right, right. We, we, I can't remember who we had on recently, and I brought this point up because I think California in the past, this is according to the uh, Heritage Foundation, California gained one extra electoral vote in, in, mm-hmm. in, in federal election, in, in the presidential election because of their illegal immigration population. So, you know, Tucker Carlson comes out and he says this, they're, they're bringing in people because they want to give them citizenship so they'll vote for Democrats. I'm like, no, they want to bring them in because they get counted on the census in the next 10 years. Then they get more congressional seats to their, to their states and more power to elect the president. It is subverting our electoral process and giving our taxpayer dollars to people who did not come to this country through the legal process. It's just, it's an extraction on the system. It's basically diluting, it's disenfranchising American citizens at the highest level. It's foreign interference in our elections. And you don't even need a mass amnesty then to change the system. Yeah, people don't realize that, uh, like when Tucker said this, I'm like, we don't choose the president by a popular vote. They don't need to vote. They just need to give congressional seats to California so that California can continue to influence the federal government, which means California's laws will affect Wyoming. If California allows people, to, what, what are they doing? Like free health care for people under 26, illegal immigrants. Mm-hmm. If they're going to keep sanctuary state, you can't deport our people. You know what the problem is? I blame the Republicans. I completely blame the Republicans. Look, if, they're, if there's a string of criminals in your neighborhood smashing out of the windows, you're like, okay, the criminals are bad. What do, we, what do we do to stop them? I know. We'll all pull our money together and then hire a security firm to deal with it. And then you see the security firm being like, well, we can't arrest them because, you know. It's like, well, <laughs> I, I blame you. You're the part. You're the, look, obviously, first and foremost, the Democrats are the, are the, are the bad guys in this regard. They're, they're effectively manipulating our electoral system by doing this. Where, where is, where's anybody to stop them? The Republicans pretend to be on your side. There's a handful, you know. The, the the Rand Pauls, Thomas Massey, um, I think Hawley's pretty good. Ted Cruz seem, is, is okay. But, you know, I really do think Rand Paul tends to be the one guy who's actually filibustering and trying to stop a lot of the stuff. And you get Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, and what are they doing? Tucker Carlson called Lindsey Graham a leftist. Hmm. Like, he's just a straight-up leftist. And McConnell's like, we had more troops in Afghanistan. I'm like, these people don't care about you. They pretend to be the the the, the resistance to the, what the Democrats are doing, but they're really just the gatekeepers to stop you from getting anywhere near them. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And in effect, controlled opposition. Right. At the end of the day. And, and I mean, it's a uniparty. It's a uniparty. Yeah. yeah and, and part of it, it probably is like the superficial, you know, got to go to the red cocktail parties and you, you don't want to be attacked in the Washington Post and the New York Times. But the disparity, the chasm between our purported representatives and us just goes grows greater and greater, and it's more transparent than it's ever been. So the question is, are the bums going to get voted out of office ever? And usually they don't get primaried because right. incumbency is a really powerful thing. Did you hear about the trans anarchist Satanist who won uh, the primary for sheriff up in New Hampshire? I did not hear about As that. As a Republican. Mm. Because the Republican voters went in and said, Republican, 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 and walked out. And then this person ran as a Republican and ended up winning and then said, it's your fault. If you have a problem with it, maybe you should read the names of the people and do some research or just not vote for them. If you could get a job and if you did your best and made the most epic thing and then lost it, your job, or you could do a mediocre thing and keep your job, which would you choose? Okay, what's the point of the job? Is it to do the best work or is it to continue to work at the, to continue to work there? And these, these people in office seem like what they're doing is playing a, perce- uh, a public perception game. They want propaganda to make them look good because their whole point to s- is to stay there to get voted in with another popularity contest. They are puppets dancing before a- us. As opposed to doing the best job they can and then damn be the consequences. But this is because there's no term limits. At least that's one one incentive for it. Maybe, maybe. Th- we, we, we've had a back and forth on the argument about term limits because uh, – one of the arguments, first and foremost, is if people want to vote for someone, they should be allowed to vote for him. The other thing is, what happens when you get like a Ron Paul who's in Congress for what, what do you have, like 11 terms or something? He's in there for a really long time, and that dude was awesome. I think that the problems that come from it outweigh the benefits. You're right. And Ron Paul, I think, did repeatedly vote for term limits. So, <laughs> yep. Or would you just have new blood that comes in every time and gets corrupted? And it's just it's, it's really no different or, at the end of the day. Or a cabal that just recruits the new young person to come in. And then you have someone without the experience and the connections to actually have any meaningful resistance. See, what you really need at the end of the day is a system where those who get elected do not enrich themselves as a consequence of their office or really gain power, which requires a small government system in the first place. That's the the root of like – who would be attracted to Washington if there was no power in Washington? Well, people actually want to do a good job, like you're saying. So how do you disincentivize, essentially, the power grabbing? I figured it out. Jokingly, before, I called some – I said Marsism. And the idea is that uh, once you're elected to office, you know, we, we, we take all of Congress and we put them on a rocket ship that goes to Mars. <laughs> That's it. I like so, the way this is. But, but now I think about it, and once they're on Mars – then they actually, from Mars, can... Global government. Farm. No, no, Universal no, no, no. government. Well, just, just for America, I'm saying. Our, our federal Congress will be blasted off to Mars to a space colony where they'll live out their days, and they can vote on policy positions for which they will never experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. They have no incentive to cause harm to people. They have no incentive to enrich themselves. It's literally just, what can we do to make America better? Because if America does good, we send you supplies. <laughs> and that's it. So, uh, jo- you know, more seriously, though, how do we make it so that Getting elected into office is not something you not, not something you want for yourself, but something you want for others. I don't know how you solve for that. Uh, uh, Andrew Yang's plan was like pay four million dollars, but then ban you from working in like the private sector or something like that. You could say service service gives citizenship, mm-hmm. and that Guaranteed could be the service that everyone has to face that at some point in their life. 
Demarchy. Ben Franklin wanted no pay for those people. And at this point, that we can do it on the internet. We kind of don't need to get paid. No pay, but then you'd only have the rich oligarchs running for office. You know, like that, I'm sure that would be the argument. But what if we didn't have those offices anymore? This is something that's been on my mind a lot, that if instead of voting for representatives that would then write laws for you, that anyone could write the laws and pass them into the Senate, like any, any American citizen. And also, if they were going to make votes, there's 430 of them. Each, each of them, their, their jurisdictions would vote. Like 700,000 people that that one guy represents would vote, and you'd get either a yes or a no. And then that would be that one 430th of the total. Because and then every section would. Because when we send a representative to Congress, they get access to classified intelligence that can't go to the public, for which they can make. That's a lot of trust to put in a person. Hmm. And we have to. I don't know, because they get corrupted. It's, it's, corruption exists, but it doesn't mean every single person, uh, you know, who gets into Congress is evil, though I certainly don't like most of them. That's, that's fair. <laughs> and they're cool when they come in. A lot of them are. They seem I don't like think, it. Well, no, but you know what? Lying that, you, that's why. Well, think, think about also leaving aside, you know, a certain kind of person is attracted to power. There's a lot of power there. So you're going to get a, a certain elected class of people. The first thing you do when you have to, when you get into office is you got to start running for reelection. And what, what is required to run for reelection? Well, you have to make nice with your party leadership because they're going to support you if you fundraise for them. If you do not fundraise for them, they will get you axed. So yep. all of the incentives will corrupt almost any man unless you are so wealthy or so powerful or so famous and thus you don't really care and you know that you've got a constituency. The, the other it's th- tough to buck the system. I mean, it's like Trump going up against bureaucracies where 99% of the people hate his guts. Like, how do you win in a situation like that? The, Very the, difficult. The other thing is once you get in once you're in office, the the party establishment says do it, do what we want or else. And then if you say I won't do it, they'll say, "Well, then we'll just seed some negative stories into local press so that you never run you never win again." I think we just need someone to be like, I'm here for two years, and I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I don't care. Oh. I don't, we, we need people who aren't – like AOC, man, she folded really, really quickly. She got criticized for the left because as soon as she got elected, she like her positions on Israel and Palestine receded dramatically. Like she was very, very anti-Israel to start. Now she's only somewhat. But there were a lot of leftists being like her position totally flipped. She was a hardcore activist. And now she's like, well, I honestly – I don't know a whole lot <laughs> because as soon as she got in, they were like – if you screw with us, you're done. Now think about this. AOC was a bartender. And I have no disrespect for her for being a bartender. I'm actually very impressed with a bartender saying, I want to represent this district and, and winning. That's, that's amazing. America's awesome. But however, think about what happens to a person. When you go from being a nobody, a bartender, and now you've got millions of fans and you lose your reelection. Because when, when, when she got elected, they were talking about drawing out her district so that she wouldn't have anywhere to run. They were talking about primarying her because she was raucous. She was rocking the boat. Well, she pretty much falls in line now and she doesn't lose what she's got because if she doesn't get re- if, if she didn't get reelected because they primaried her or took away her district, what would she be again? She would be an activist. She'd be okay. Yeah. She'd do well. She's, she's famous. famous now, now, yeah. But this is her thing. This is her life. She finally matters. She doesn't want to lose that. So of course Nancy Pelosi says, you get in line or you're out. And she says, yes, ma'am. So they get in and they immediately start running for re-election? Oh, Hold that. How, the first were, rule is win. The second rule is get elected, reelected, and then after that, you you start caring about maybe the positions that you really hold near and dear. And also, by the way, how are you going to get those committee assignments that you want to cover the issues that you really care about? Well, who who hands out the committee assignments? Yep, the leadership. Mm-hmm. And if so, the, if the American population did it through vote, that would that be less less valuable? Would it well, even aside the practicality issue of like yeah, classified information and all the other stuff that they have access to, that it would be a danger. To the, if, if everyone had access to it, 
I mean, the founders would say direct democracy is far more dangerous than the representative system because direct democracy is just tyranny of the majority. Yeah, and they, change every day. Yeah. And, and then it's, you know, sort of like what Joe Biden is saying, like, well, if public opinion comes around, vaccine passports, which right. also an important thing to point out is, yes, the Congress is largely useless. And yes, the things that they do do are horrible. But then the issues where they actually should put things to a vote and legislate because as a rep, as representatives of us, they always punt the actually difficult decisions to the Supreme Court right. or to a president or to the administrative state where they pass a law. They don't really fill in the details. And then some bureaucrat who is unelected, who you have no control over whatsoever, is unfireable, is actually going to be the one who's really making the law. Because at the end of the day, it's the regulators and all the bureaucrats and the agencies who actually make and execute the laws. So they'll pass vague laws and then have corporations – uh, define those in practice not corporations regulators you know all the all the different the myriad alphabet soup of agencies you know they'll say and we delegate this authority to xyz agency oh. to craft the details of it so it's even further that's, removed that's from the, the deep state or is yeah. that the, the, the either or the shadow government i don't know the difference administrative state deep state okay the unelected deep the state within the state the state within the state that actually deals mm. makes the sausage wild that's Think about this. I mean, you, you could uh, run for office, win, and then say, I would like to audit the Fed. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> some intelligence agency just happens to leak some bad information on you, and now you can't get reelected. Or you get removed from all your committee assignments and things like that. So deep state, call it whatever you want. Chuck Schumer said it would get you six <clears throat> ways from Sunday. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he did. Recently. At- First of all, it's just, or- it's just Orwellian that a U.S. senator actually says that. But I guess he was being honest. Yep. Sure was. So- Jeez. That's right. So we're electing people to become puppets. You know, it's funny how we, we talk about the Chinese Communist Party, and uh, I don't see a big difference between the, the, the shadow government, the deep, the, the, the permanent. I think they call it the permanent government. That's what who, – who said that? Somebody was testifying for commerce. They said the deep state is a conspiracy term. Conspiracy term, we call it the permanent government. These are people who are appointed to uh, positions where they're there for multiple uh, administrations, and they're the ones who give the advice – and effectively control what the president or, or the administration is going to do. Because you look at it this way. You get you get a high-ranking intelligence officer, and then you know Obama gets in office. And he says, you know, I campaigned on uh, pulling out of Iraq. He says, well, actually, you can't because of that. And he goes, you got it. Do your thing. And he says, you got it. Trump was special because Trump came in and went, no, we're getting out. I don't care. And they're like, but look, I don't care. We're pulling out. And I think that's why they were immediately like, this guy's got to go. Because there are people who have been planning what's going on in, in North Africa and the Middle East probably for decades. Oh, at least a century. Probably a Then century. Trump comes in and they're like, see, here's why you got to do what we're telling you to do. And Trump was like, well, I was going to do it, but now they're telling me I don't want to. <laughs> Look at how hard it is to declassify a document. You think, well, it's the president of the United States. He can declassify whatever he wants. Oh, but it's got to go through several layers of review. And then it's going to be reviewed by the lawyers. And then, and then someone's going to at the same time be a whistleblower against you and concoct something to try to get an impeachment going. Or we're going to have Russiagate the entire time of your presidency to tank your policy for a couple of years. But even this is the problem with people like uh, when you get a Trump, Trump doesn't want to uh, jump on the grenade figuratively. Uh, so, I mean, he could have been like, I'm going to do a State of the Union and then just pull the documents and be like, I will now start reading and because he's the president and he can. But the bureaucracy jams it up. They defied his orders. They lied to the American people. They lied to him when he trusted these people to do what he, he ordered them to do. They just didn't. And then they waited him out. What they're ordered to and by law also, you know, they always talk about 
the rule, uh, you know, the democratic institutions and, and how we care so much about the institutions and the integrity. And this is an authoritarian strongman. You had his subordinates who are supposed to serve him and he serves the Constitution as our representative. Basically saying, no, we, we disagree with you and we're going to act accordingly and we're going to snipe you and backstab you and do all these things. I mean, people talk – these generals out there essentially admittedly played shell games with number of troops in Syria. And they say that in right. articles. They, they, that, they that is the most dis- about it. How, how disturbing is that that you have generals outwardly flouting the commander-in-chief right there? It's very Because that's a precedent that's for the next time that they don't want to do what the president says, what our commander yeah. – our elected commander decides – it's just all falling apart, man. Mm. That unelected you know, generals. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I was. I jokingly said this, but maybe it's more true. I said there hasn't really been in America since the Jekyll Island conspiracy. <laughs> yeah, it seems Aha. like it. The. I wonder how how can I because I think about the British Opium Wars with China because there's been like the Five Eyes. You know, it's like Britain, Australia, United States, New Zealand. They Canada, said they would the poke. They said they would poke. Well, at least one of the five eyes out uh, if you dare go get them. That was their the Communist Party rhetoric. Wild. And then the formation of Israel seems very much like that was part of that organization to put like kind of an outpost by the Suez Canal and like have a have a, a front post in the Middle East for all the resources and stuff. Like with the way they betray the Ottomans in World War One and the Arabs to well they betrayed the Arabs. They told the Arabs we're going to give you all this land. Then at the end of the in the middle of the war, they're like, actually, thanks for betraying the Ottomans for us, Arabs. Thanks for helping us win World War One. We're not giving you the land. We're going to create Israel instead. And then, that was after World War Two, though. Yeah, it was World War One, right at the end of World, the Balfour Declaration. And it, there's been a lot of resentment, but it's like this obsess, obsessive colonial. It's been going on since like the 1400s, since like the 1600s. This colonialization. Now it's in Afghanistan, and they're using the American military now. Like I don't know if it's. The king, if it was the British king all along, if, or if there's like banks above him that are. Do you have feelings on? Have Ian. you? Aliens. <laughs> maybe it's the aliens controlling the DMT and the yeah. systems, and we're all just chickens in a chicken coop, man. And they're just you know moving the cages around for the chickens. Mm-hmm. I wonder if if this. I don't know. Moving the coop. It's definitely the Brit. The British have a lot of hands in like they colonize India they colonize the West Bank area with, with Israel they colonize, you know they tried to colonize China all of it they wanted it when, when you hear Chuck Schumer say something like we got you six ways from Sunday it makes me wonder about whether or not what we do has an impact because what's that old saying if voting mattered they wouldn't <laughs> let you do it <laughs> you know well, who, he, he who counts the votes yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't Biden say that Sure recently, did, yeah. yeah, recently he yeah, said recently. it doesn't. It's, it's not about who uh, who votes, about who counts the vote. <laughs> in the end, it's like uh, I don't know who originally said that quote. I think it was falsely attributed to Stalin, though. But it is still a creepy prospect. Hey, that's welcome. Welcome to modern America, I suppose. <laughs> it's not bad, you know. We're born into a country. It, it feels almost like what they're saying to us is: you live in a wealthy country, enjoy it while you can, or else, you know, don't don't rock the boat, don't challenge us. We do what we want. It's, and the wealth isn't the only – I mean the wealth is a byproduct of us being able to pursue our happiness in freedom, do what we want, achieve greatness however we define it. The, the wealth is just – is the end game output. It might happen and it might not. But if you're – you know, if you have ingenuity and you have a pioneering instinct and you have risk takers and such, then wealth is ultimately going to result from it. But wealth isn't the – is not the purpose of this whole thing. It's about letting people achieve what they want to achieve and make their own little kingdom on earth for themselves. And we're getting further and, and further away from that. I, sh- I should also add, it's called the Sykes-Picot Agreement was what the official document that formed Israel against the Arab will that was. 
it's so it feels like it comes from a, a a feeling of lack like since since the dawn of time they've been afraid there weren't enough resources so we need to make sure we have enough for our people and 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 now that we're realizing like with with quantum computing and atom molecular printing that maybe there is enough materials like maybe we can just print water out of air with enough electricity you still need the mass and the matter and you can disrupt the balance of the ecosystem very easily so they'd have to do asteroid mining or a moon base or something in Star Trek, they collect hydrogen with the, uh, with the ship as they fly through it, and then they use that as the mass for the replicators. Um, ben, how do you feel about releasing, like, classified documents? Uh, well, from my perspective, sunlight is the best disinfectant, mm. and the more transparency, to a large extent, the better. This is obviously tough because we're talking – in generalities here, and it's what is the substance of the classified documents, obviously. But that said, based upon what all of the – how many times during the Trump administration was it, well, you know, this this might reveal uh, sensitive sources and, and get someone killed essentially if we released it. And then you find out when they finally do unredact that actually, no, it was just protecting the people who are engaging in corrupt behavior or potentially illegal behavior. So it's tough because I am a staunchly believe in defending our national security to the death and acting in accordance with our national interest. On the other hand, you see them abuse national security to justify so many different things. So the general matter, like I, I want everything around Russiagate and Spygate declassified and a whole host of other things from history, too. I mean, it, it should all be out there. And if it's not, it's probably because there's some pretty – powerful interests who don't want it to be exposed for one reason or another. It looks bad. It undermines them. And that's why Julian Assange ends up locked up for a decade. Hmm. Didn't they just overturn some movement he was trying to put forth a couple days ago? Did you guys see that? They're, they're never going to let that guy out. Even even after the, the, the Swedish investigation was ended, they're like, no, he can't leave. And then they're like, there's no reason to hold him anymore. And then the U.S. comes out with their indictment. It's just, I tell you, man. That's, I think that's evidence, right? They will they will accuse you of the worst of the worst, and then they will lock you up to the best of their abilities and destroy your life. Yeah, this, according to The Guardian, Steve Bell and a U.K. judge backing the U.S. appeal in Julian Assange's extradition case. So they, they, wait, they backed it? The U.K. judge backed the U.S. appeal in the, right, in the right, extradition right. case. Right, so they're going to extradite him? They're, yeah, it looks – I mean, they're, they're, that's what they want. You know what they should do? Release him. Hmm. Yeah, that's not going to happen, though. Mm -hmm. Maybe. or uh, And, I mean, look what happened to Epstein. So if we really yeah. want to go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. But also, the J6 thing, talk about the people in the D.C. jail. And the government has said that they have evidence that would be potentially exculpatory. And they won't they admit it. it and, and it's not out there yet. And, you know, there's 14,000 hours of footage. And, you know, they just don't have the logistical capabilities to build the database that people can look at so that a lawyer can defend a client. And, of course, you know, the left in any other instance would be, oh, this is the civil liberties abuse of, of the century. But really the process is the punishment. Let's say that people who really were just engaging in trespassing, no violence whatsoever, and they were and they were let in by a security guard end up walking at the end of the day. Still, think about how much punishment there will have been in the months that you're waiting to have your case dealt with. And if you're held in pretrial detention, and a lot of these people, some of them have psychological issues, some of them are not hardened criminals and don't have any rap sheet whatsoever, and you're stuck in this jail, how does it... And, and then you have the judges and the prosecutors also saying essentially, well, your views about what happened in that election make you a potential danger if we let you out, so we're right. not going to let you out. It, it's just, it's beyond disturbing. And like the Assange example is an ex extreme example, obviously, but these are people 
who, again, they're not hardened criminals in, in many respects. And the process is the punishment. And this sends a warning. This sends a warning right. to anyone, you know, don't dissent essentially from the party line. And again, you're going to be cast as, well, you're an insurrectionist enabler and supporter. And th- no, that that's not it. It's I believe in justice and I believe people should be treated equally under the law. Watch the uh, – I've, I've been shouting this out. This is like the eighth time. Watch Electric Dreams on Amazon and the the last episode uh, – it's the, it's the last episode. It's called Kill All Others. Hmm. And uh, the simple synopsis for those – I know most of you listening probably heard me say it a million times. But basically this guy hears a politician say that you know the people need to kill all others. And he gets shocked by it and starts telling people like, no, 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 no I don't know what that's about. We shouldn't advocate for violence. And they go, who cares? What are you, an other? <laughs> and he was like, what is an other anyway? And they're like, I don't know, but you seem pretty defensive. And then it escalates. Anybody who opposes the party line is called – they must be an other. And then people start getting violent towards the others. It's really, really, it's a, it's a really interesting episode how they, how they laid it out. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, let's go to Super Chats. Oh, yeah. If you have not already, please give that like button a little, little, uh, uh, tap. Do it for Ian. Yeah. Do it for me. And then when we get a chance to dive into the Matrix and fix this from the inside, let's go. Uh, uh, right now, there is a, a, a sad Ian who is waiting for your like. <laughs> and simply by pressing that like, you could make the day of an Ian today. That's true. All right. Uh, and go to TimCast.com, be a member. And, uh, let's read. What do we, what do we got here? Uh, Born Again. Says, shout out to Baby Bonnet Box for USA handmade baby bonnets. Ooh, cute. Okay. Very cool. That sounds awesome. I looked that up. All right. Let's see. Instructions for interplanetary visitors says, Tim, did you see that video of the doctor talking about the Delta variant making kids sick and she starts breaking into laughter? Bizarre. I did not see that. Huh. Interesting. I don't know. Have you guys seen that? Uh-uh. No, just the other video that Twitter slapped a warning yeah, on that one. millions of people saw. What was it? Just a doctor speaking what he believed to be the open and honest truth about various things around coronavirus. And it went viral, of course, and thus you had to slap a was warning on it. Was it recent? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. In the last week. Oh. Moosey Moose says, did you guys see DeSantis pushing monoclonal antibody treatment to help people exposed to COVID? Going so far as to make task forces and centers for it. This is the same kind of treatment Trump used, Regeneron. I did not hear about that. I did see something about yeah. that. Yeah, in passing. Didn't read much. It's worth saying. One of the scandals around coronavirus generally, besides how lab leak went from conspiracy theory to suddenly all the acceptable people think it's acceptable, yeah. early treatment also was dismissed immediately. And then over time, suddenly it became somewhat acceptable. Who is anyone going to answer for the fact that like that was poo-pooed completely and now all of a sudden it's okay? Uh, does the media ever answer for putting <laughs> up garbage? I mean, Russiagate, mm-hmm. come on, you know. I, I, I love the, you ever see that, that collection of bombshell, bombshell, <laughs> the beginning of the end, the walls are closing <laughs> in, bombshell, bombshell. <laughs> wow, these people are inscrupulous. Dragon Lady says, I live on the Ohio-Michigan border. There are tons of local roads that cross that border. We have a cop shortage, and they're going to pull cops off the street to man, to man checkpoints, or will Biden use that as an excuse to send in the military to do it? Am I being paranoid? Mm-hmm. I don't think they'll actually do it, but I certainly think you'd be a fool not to remain vigilant and paying attention because who knows what they're capable of doing, to be completely honest. All right. Kyle Miller says, I have a feeling that Kabul is going to be the Saigon of our generation. Yep. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm seeing it. And that's where where they tried to pull the troops out, right? But they, was there a slaughter in Saigon? I don't know Before the full... They escaped, uh, it was Vietnamese, I'm, I'm, South I'm, Vietnamese city. Saigon yeah. was it North Vietnamese, South Vietnamese? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of Evacuating people, yeah. the helicopter, yep. the imagery, indelible, indelible imagery. I'm sure there will be some equivalent here. But this is really like kind of the ultimate 
ruling class exercise the way every aspect of the way that Afghanistan has played out. I mean, we we can talk about it, but yeah, go in. Don't have clear objectives of what victory looks like or reasonable objectives of what victory looks like turning Swiss- Afghanistan into Switzerland, not knowing any of the history of any other power going into Afghanistan. Like if the Soviet Union couldn't do it, you probably can either. And, and oh, by the way, why should you try to? And, and then the way that it was executed for years and the untruths told about it and the trillions of dollars wasted and lives wasted. And then we leave the strongest power in the world and then within two weeks it falls. Yep. Someone commented before that they didn't even think that the Afghan security forces even wanted to fight the Taliban. <laughs> they were just like, okay, America's gone. All right, guys, come on in. Here's our guns. Sarah A. says, while Biden is thinking about a mandatory vax for interstate travel, Liberal Party of Canada just did it. Y'all need some hardworking Canadians? Yeah. Yes. You can come on down, come, man. Come down here. Let's unify. Canadians and Cubans will not be allowed by the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Cool Papa Zulu says, Tim, with your huge presence, please start the Mayo Bucket Challenge for people to donate to their favorite local restaurant to help offset their rising costs. I'm going to the Sherwood tomorrow. Save the local diners. Um, well, I don't know if you need to donate. Just go buy their food. Go there and be like, I'd like to purchase your wares, good sir, and then buy them, and then they succeed. So leave, leave a good go. Yelp review while you're at it. Yeah, yeah leave a good yeah, Yelp review at the restaurants you Google like just to offset this, this insanity. Mm-hmm. And I got I to gotta tell you, I went to the Sherwood's website. Their food looks real good. But I'm not in North Carolina, so I ain't going to be trying <laughs> it anytime soon. All right. Quiet guitarist fan says, took care of someone last night who had been bounced back and forth to the ICU with the beer virus. They were vaccinated. Mandates would do nothing to create nothing but create a divisive system and destroy any sense of unity between people. And I think it breeds mistrust. Mm -hmm. That's the craziest thing. You know, what what did someone say? Um, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly. We, we, We mentioned it before, but it's like if their approach to COVID had been, hey, get it when you can the vaccination rate would probably be way higher. But they've created this mistrust in people by doing these really weird things like bonuses and lotteries and then threats and mandates. Now you've got people just defying you for the sake of defying you because they're bored. And the flip-flopping. Fauci's flip-flopping. The CDC's flip-flopping. Like they didn't know what was going on, but they were giving authoritative advice off of misinformation, basically, their own misinformation. Mm. Going back to the lockdowns themselves, remember the Imperial College models. Millions of people are going to die if we don't do this. And they were garbage in, garbage out models. And it's like you would think there would be some humility among people in the scientific community to say, well, we really don't know. And here's our best judgment. And we're going to take try to take a prudent approach. Instead, it's the every single time it's the jackhammer. It's not the scalpel. Yeah. David Kachanowicz says, Tim, I noticed you wear the same outfit. Do you have other clothes? Uh, technically, yes. But you will also <laughs> notice I only wear this on this show. If you watch my other shows, I'm wearing different clothes. Indeed. So then I put on these for this show and then take them off right away. Yeah, it's brand new. But uh, I do have other clothes. Watch the Cast Castle vlog at YouTube.com slash Cast Castle. And I'm always wearing different clothes. Oh, look at that. A new episode right. going up going up this weekend, right? Very cool. Yeah, I think it might be Sunday. Mm. And then because we're, we're, we're trying to trans- transition into daily. So there's a workflow being built. You guys got to see Kent Leon Welling's animation on the mm. Cast Castle vlogs. This guy's a master. It's always really, really Dude, funny. his anime. Kent, Hilarious. make more anime. I want to turn you into anime. a 21st century anime artist. He's so good. All right. Chris Meagley says, standing up for small business, the rising gas prices are killing our little lawn care business. Plus, I wanted to hear our name shout out, shouted out on my favorite show, KNC Mowings, KNC Mowing Service. Live Oak, Florida. Very cool. There you go, man. Thanks for the super chat. Sim Yang says, Twin Cities Cub Foods gets rid of SP Police Department and hires peace activists 
who beats a homeless Asian man because he stole something. Gestapo. Wow. Wait, what? Really? Wow. Did you guys hear that Portland, all the businesses are hiring private security now? Oh, my gosh. Makes and, sense. And the joke now is that it's Ankapistan. It's 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 gone so anarchic that now people are just hiring their own private police departments. That's the beauty of of decentralized command is we'll get to see now we get to watch what happens when businesses start hiring private security. Mm-hmm. What do we expect? Whoa! What is this? First Amendment says got stabbed eight times at seventeen and shot by a twelve gauge at twenty two. What? Thankful for socialized healthcare, but my views are far right in Canada. 27 and making more positive decisions. Mad respect for the Timcast team. Wow, man. Wow, geez. Glad to see you made it. I'm glad you're alive. Christopher Knoll says, Our domestic and foreign problems oddly mirror one another. American citizens don't want war, but foreign and domestic threats want America's collapse. Trump and Biden woke up the normies. Big uh-oh. My dad voted for the first time in 20 years for Biden. I, I'm saying that's, 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 that's right. I know a lot of people that I was shocked to find were in politics. I, people posting videos and I'm like, what? Like, these are the kind of people that I'd be like, hey, did you guys see? I don't want to hear about it. But don't you know? You know, Brett Kavanaugh, I'm who? And then all of a sudden they're like, yay, Biden. What do you think? What do you think was the, what kind of the unifying themes for why Biden was the guy? They took away all entertainment, all sports. So people didn't have anything to communicate. You couldn't go outside. You couldn't go to the bar. You couldn't talk to your friends. And and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube are dominated by political conversations. So all of these normies were all of a sudden thrust into a world where the only way they could socialize was in this political context, in a political election cycle. And they were, you know, posting their selfies for Biden. I think that that, that drove a, lot, a large portion of it. I also think that can explain why there was there was less down ballot voting. A lot of people want to think it's nefarious. I think there's two big things to consider. For one, the, the, the mass exodus from cities due to COVID, what half a million people from New York, we don't know how that would have affected bellwethers. Certainly, I think the anomalies warrant investigation. Certainly, I think we should, we, we should do the audits so, audits so we can build confidence back between the American people. But I think, I think you can explain it. I'm not saying I can, it's, it's proof. I'm just saying, you know, here's, here's, here's an explanation. Um, but I genuinely think that a lot of dumb people who don't care about politics, just wanted that sticker so they could be part of something because they were locked in their homes. They needed it, you know, and I think that was part of uh, the Democrats' exploitation. They were, but you, you got to look back to like October 2019 when the Republicans made universal mail-in voting in Pennsylvania, which which very very much helped Democrats, right? So they, the Republicans, it's a uniparty, right? Goodland Cruising says capitalism sold out the country to communists. We need a collective front against our enemies. Libertarian ideals fail consistently. Nationalism is the answer. We must win by any means necessary. Defeat is death. Mm. Uh, it's tough. I don't know, man. It, it's how do you, you, you look independent voters? Many of them probably vote libertarian. Republicans, they both recognize a lot of the same problems, yet they're not going to unify. The left is just walking in lockstep. Mm. So. Yeah, we have intellectual diversity and, you know, we can have a debate about any of a million issues. But the other side, you know where they're going to end up every single time. Even when they contradict themselves. Hmm. They just march in line behind ideas that change every other day. Did you see that Ben Shapiro on Bill Maher talking to that guy? Oh, yeah. Larry, was his Malcolm name? Nance. Malcolm, Malcolm yeah. Nance. Malcolm was just like not really making points. And then he right. insulted Ben. Mm -hmm. Like, yep. this show must suck. And it was like, this is this guy's And they were clapping super and cheering high profile. for it. Yeah, and they kept clapping. And they were like, oh, the interview is so much better without the clapping seals. Clapter. Mm -hmm. Every five minutes. They call it every, every minute. That was really disappointing that he didn't really have much of an argument. He didn't That's really even surprising. seem to understand what, 
the, what the critical race theory was. And that was, I think that's a right. big part of the problem right now. And what we're seeing is the infection of it in our society, in our, in our blood vessels of our infrastructure. And then now we're starting to see an immune response, which starts slow and then it extrapolates outward, happens exponentially. That's how disease works too. Yeah. A body's fights off disease. So it, it feels like that's, that's happening as people start to learn what it is. All right. Let's see. Joshua Ryman says, keep your head up and keep pushing forward, Tim. Don't cry. It's not over till it's over. And even then, as long as I'm alive, it's not over. <laughs> keep going on, Tim, and never give up. That's right. Never give up. Never surrender. That's right. Millennial Cop says, love the show. Thanks, everyone, for all you do. U.S. needs to get back into country, uh, back in, back to in-country manufacturing, large scale. People need something in their life to become a part of, uh, a part of and be paid. Ending the moratoriums can't happen fast enough. Yes, or they could learn to code, right? That, that's <laughs> oh, a solution. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, a 50-year-old uh, pipe fitter certainly knows how to just, just jump on a computer and start learning computer code, which will, he can master in a day. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing about that, leave aside the strategic imperative to you have to be able to produce certain things domestically or you're going to be beholden to potentially your worst adversaries. I used to take the kind of textbook economics of, you know, if you're more efficient at this, then you trade away your less efficient things. And ultimately, you know, kind of like what's more efficient ultimately is better for the greater good, even if that means certain industries die over time. We have creative destruction, et cetera. But the thing that isn't discussed in the creative destruction is what if that destruction leads to generational consequences that far dwarf that immediate economic loss to a particular place? And what does that do in terms of like having a cohesive country that's actually together? And that wasn't something that I thought about when I was, you know, the economics student or whatever. But I do think about today and why I give some more credence to some protectionist instincts that I would not have had in the past, leaving aside the strategic imperative that you got to be able to be, produce certain things 100% in America and you have to be able to, like, produce all your medicines in a particular At least time. our medicines, at right? Least, at, the, <laughs> at very minimum, you got to have medicine, food. Yeah. And the like. Food. Yeah. Kind of, kind of crazy. Slightly important. All right. Stephen Heinold says – has Ian ever been hit by lightning? Because if so, it would be like a less cool Marvel origin story of a hippie <laughs> and really explain a lot about him. No, but I've got an even better origin story. I was uh, meditating on my couch and my brother was across the room and I was looking in his eyes. We were looking at each other. And this lightning or whatever it was, electricity, shot down through my head and into him, like into my head and then out my so eyes. Struck my and he jolted. And I said, I'm so sorry. Like, it felt like I used the dark side of the force. <laughs> and I, I was like, I'll never do that again. People don't, don't understand that uh, uh, when, when Ian first arrived here, he was wearing a suit. He had mm-hmm. short hair and he was clean shaven. Tim radicalized And me. he was, he was, <laughs> no, actually what happened was he had, he had come and he was, he was selling um, uh, uh, milkshake mixers, uh, you know, just a, as a traveling salesman, clean cut for his wife and child. Mm-hmm. And then as he was standing on my porch, I was like, you know, I could use a milkshake mixer. A bolt of lightning hit him. Burned his clothes and his hair. He immediately started growing out and he started, started screaming. And then he told me that he could see the wolf hominids tearing down his magnetic fields. Which is true. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> promo code POSO. Oh, there you go. <laughs> what? Uh, just shout what out to Jack Posobiec. Yeah. Selling what his goods. What, where did know. that come from? You can buy my milkshake machines. Yeah. Promo yeah. code POSO. I don't actually have them. <laughs> I love it. Great origin. Yeah, it was story. intense. Yeah, it was yeah. a slow lightning bolt. I think it's still hitting me. That's possible. It's been going on for like 20 years. That's been a lot. <laughs> A lot. It, it it actually explained that there's like an electrical imbalance in Ian's head. That's all, all he's you know, feeling. Honestly, I started making YouTube videos in 2006 and really like letting my myself out, letting my secrets out, being very personable and honest. And I started to feel energy coming. Like when people watch, I think what's happening is when someone's watching your videos, 
it, it feeds you energy because they're picturing you. So it's like sending you energy, maybe through the Schumann resonance or something. But I started to get this like invigoration of energy in this like 24 seven because your videos are being watched at all times of the day. Very weird. And you sure that wasn't the vaccine? I still haven't figured it out. It may <laughs> be. Vaccine. What is this? Zach Kruger says, hey, Tim, check out the A, uh, the AT, is, you said AFT, is it ATF? ATF's new rule saying if your AR-15 has a trigger, it equals now a machine gun. Hmm. What? Check out Mr. Guns and Gears video on it. I would not be surprised. Fascinating. James Rogers says, I'm in the Navy, and today our command announced that SecDef will make COVID-19 vaccine mandatory by September 15th for all service members. You know, I, and I hear that, but I'm, I, I've am i said this before. Like, don't people in the service just get a bunch of vaccines as it is? They I do. I, yeah, so I'm, I'm like, why is this one controversial? Because they're, they're Cause all FDA not, approved, probably? It's got to be FDA approved, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I guess I understand all that. I'm just like, if you sign up, you sign you, – you, aren't you government property now? Isn't that how it works? Rules are different, public employee, private employee. But increasingly, those blind, those lines are blurred when you have the administration saying, like, we're meeting with businesses and we're encouraging you to incentivize your employees to get vaccinated. All right. Jesse Meek says, everyone is concerned by this. Some of the best YouTube channels are discussing it. We were having a heated discussion referencing much of the same sources over on Liberty Doll's stream minutes ago. Sleeping Bear is waking. Hmm. Interesting. Shredkowski says, bought your gorilla shirt a few months ago. People at my work love it without knowing the context. Hoping to build a gorilla army and build culture. That's right. We have a whole bunch of different I am a gorilla shirts for some reason. We just kept making. We have the, 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 the uh, Dogecoin one I think is really funny. Oh, yeah. Yep. Dogecoin. <laughs> All right. Scarier 3 says, the, in, the interior flight thing with aliens has been a thing since the beginning. And it's happened before Biden back in early 2019. Whenever a family unit, one adult with one child minimum, arrives, they are given a court date to see a judge. Interesting. Hmm. And then there's another one. Let me and see. many do not show up to court. Mm-hmm. Right. Huge majority. Scarier says, uh, there we go. It's the law on books. Normally, they'd be held until then. But when they run out of space, you can't send them back. So they'd be sent to a family, uh, a family member address wherever in the U.S. to wait for court. Can't send them back as a family. And the left and aliens are aware of this. Same thing with unaccompanied juveniles. The loophole has been here for a while. It's just now that the admin doesn't care about optics. Very, very interesting. DC Pagan says, Tim, when will the beanies come? I will pay serious money for your trademark beanie. I will wear it everywhere. We have tried. Actually, have. Uh, Spring, what used to be Teespring, tried sourcing beanies like this. It's impossible. We've gone to, a, I've, I've, looked, I've talked to a bunch of different companies, and they just can't do it. And I'm like, where did this one come from? And I, I, we, we reach out to the company. Nope, won't do it. So weird. Yep. Looks like, uh, we, I mean, it's certainly something we've been trying. I told, we had someone here and, and they were like, why aren't you selling beanies? And I was like, I'll tell you what, you figure out how to do it and you can get a cut. And they were like, yes! And then they gave up after a month. We're mm-hmm. talking about weaving silver throughout the beanie. Antibacterial, <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, let's see. Razgriz says the best way to get rid of the power and en- uh, enrichment incentive isn't to remove it, it's to exploit it. Tie their salary given to the median income of the district they represent. If they enrich their people, they enrich themselves. Yeah. I've heard that before. It sounds intriguing. You know, what do you, what do you think about that? Your per- salary perfor- performance metrics. Also, uh, so you get a, a carrot for that, but also some sticks associated with other policies. Yes, hundred percent. I guess the issue is, you can always just do a favor for a guaranteed job. 
the big company says, you know, this bill's really bad for us. Don't worry, I got you. And then as soon as your term's over, they're like, oh, that VP position, half a million a year, it's all yours. Thanks for your for your service. What if your initial salary was zero, and it, for every amount you could lower the deficit, you would get a proportional incentively, you know, based because uh, then it would just be salary. rich people who have the means to run who don't need or money people that are want to rip down the Federal Reserve immediately because it's a Ponzi scheme, and they're like, I can't reduce the deficit if I have to pay interest on my debt. And yep. the only way to get to pay it off is to take more debt on with more interest. Who's going to pass the law to get people in office who want to reduce the debt and deficits? And also, does the public broadly want to reduce debt and deficits? They might poll, yes. But then you go to them, okay, let's talk about a specific project in your district. That's gone. And then we're also going to slash this program and this program and that program. Oh. If you present it that way to the public, at what, per- at what point does the public say, you know what? The short-term pain is worth it because we have generational, generational, generational theft, and our interest is soon going to be even greater than the size of our budget. Today. Right. It's like exercise. Like, how do you incentivize people to do things that hurt in the short term for long-term benefit? And the politicians will say, "Well, it's going to happen on someone else's watch." So, because they won't get reelected if they're blamed for the one to be the one that hurts them. Right. Weird system. Mm. All right, Brian Weaver says, "Great job, everyone. We need to fully learn the lessons of." of trustlessness from the blockchain and apply these to our government systems. Smart contracts could be a powerful vehicle to hold politicians accountable necessarily. Perhaps, I just don't know, man, and I've thought about this a lot. How do you solve it? We have a really good system, but it's just, I guess Thomas Jefferson put it well that, you know, like every 200 years or so, you'll get that bloat or whatever, and there's got to be some kind of like renewal, I guess. I don't know if he used those words. Uh, He certainly used some words. But I think we come to a point where, like, there, there have been periods where we've just voted out all the incumbents. You know, I think it was like in the 50s that happened. It was like Congress got, like, just purged. Everyone was like, we don't want any of these people. We want different people. We need something like that. I don't think that ultimately solves all the problems, though. I think one of the great things about America is that decentralized power makes it very difficult for establishment elites to, to, to gain all that power. But I think right now we are witnessing the point where power has coalesced to a degree where they can maintain it forever. When when they got all those incumbents out of office, do you know what year that was? No, I remember looking at some graph about um, uh, Democrat and Republican p- party size and stuff. And there was something in, I think, the 50s. Was that like right after the military-industrial complex got formed? Like, did they perform a coup? A, a... No, people were out. Like, I was reading the news about it. People were really upset with Congress. There was, like, really low approval. I wonder if it was propaganda and they were getting the old guard out and putting in all these new... Hmm. I don't know, man. Jekyll Island was what, 1903 or something? 1916, 17, I think. Was or it 12, 1912, maybe? 1912. Yeah, is that what happened? I mean, it's, it's an interesting game to play. When did the demise start? Is, <laughs> it, the, is yeah. it the income tax and uh, the Federal Reserve? Is it Nixon taking us off the gold standard officially? Is it you know, the Frankfurt School denizens arriving in the United States? When was and, that? The 1930s. Then there was the, the liberal economic order in 1946. That was like, that's pretty pretty nasty. Right after World War II, that's military police. But you know, at the end of the day, I, it, it is the greatest system ever created, bar none, in my view. But it requires a people to sustain it. And you look at countries that have had their freedom taken away from them, and then they come back. They hold to it in a, in a tighter way than people who we've had it good, at least on yeah. paper, for a very long time. And we haven't faced that threat or felt what tyranny was like here. And I think as a consequence, you get bloated and you set yourself up for potentially a fall, but the sun comes up the next day. Yeah. So, 
All right. John, how do, you, how do I pronounce that? Christian? Christian. Hmm. Where has the gray-bearded man of wisdom, Jack Murphy, been? Oh. Well, my friends, he is in a better place. Yes. Yeah, where is that? I don't know. He's around. Oh, <laughs> he's Arizona or something? His, uh, <laughs> Jack's doing stuff with his family. He is yeah. uh, living, practicing what he preaches. So good for him. What up, Jack? Yeah. All right. Alexander Scarpecci says, I love the animation on Cast Castle. The animation along with the narration cracks me up. I want more. <laughs> you guys, if you haven't checked out Cast Castle, you are missing out. So it's just like there's there's always some really funny story or exposition or something. Kent will then animate something funny, and it's just – it's really funny. The, I think the first one he did was when we went to the casino with Seamus, and the story is really simple. We were like – we played for a long time. I was kind of done. I'm like, I'm, I'm just putting all my money down in this last hand. And we all ended up with, like, really crappy hands. I had, like, 13. Allison had, like, you know, 15 or whatever. Seamus, I think, had 13. And then Andreas had, like, 12. And and But the dealer was showing – I think he was showing a 5. It's been a long time. So you, you watch the story. But I was like, everyone stay because he'll likely flip a face card, then hit and bust. Seamus – so the, the dealer's looking at us, and he's like – he looks at me and I'm like, stay. And he's like, I know. He looks at oh, you're going to stay. Then he goes to Seamus and Seamus goes, I'm going to hit. And then we're all like, what? No, why? Don't, don't. And then he gets, uh, what did he get? I can't remember exactly what he got, but uh, he, he gets a card and then uh, he doesn't bust. And we're like, oh, okay. The dealer ends up flipping over, not a face card, but like a four. And then he ends up getting a queen. So he gets 19 and then he beats all of us. We all lose our money. And if uh, uh, Seamus didn't hit, the dealer would have grabbed that card and then busted on the queen. So we were all like, no. And that's, we animated the story. It's really funny because, you know, it's did, just, you, did you tell Seamus beforehand, don't hit? We, I was like, were you stop, like, stop. everyone. Yep. Oh yep. man. Contrarian. Don't, don't, and there's a little drawing of me going, don't hit, don't hit. <laughs> or I was like, stay, stay. It's really funny. It's really funny. And the dealer is just like, and then Seamus mm. leans back and his eyes are half closed and he goes, <laughs> I'm going to hit. Yeah. And we're like, no, why did you hit? And then Seamus commented on the video, I'm glad I did it. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> of course he did. Well, they, they, he pushed, so he got to keep his money. Hmm. All right, let's see. Ski Man from Toronto says, hey, Tim and crew, love the show. Trudeau pushing for snap national election and mandating vaccines for all federal employees. Slow stepping our way to full mandates. No medical autonomy left north or south of the border. Yep. Yeah, I think, um, I, 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 you know, we had the lockdowns. Everyone hated it. Now they have lockdowns again, unless you get the vaccine. So what are people going to do? You, you, you know, it's, it's, it's like, hey, you don't want that, that awful thing to happen again, do you? Hmm. So people That's are just going to fall in line. I think it'll expand across the country. It's it, got to do it slowly. It's just, it's just so disturbing that we're at a place where it's like the government is saying we want to make people feel pain. And also we are going to create this bifurcated society of the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. And you know, there was a New York Times headline. I have to find it several months back where it was like far right stop the steal moves on to vax hesitancy, you know, something like that. <laughs> and it just flows so seamlessly. And actually, if you look, the Department of Homeland Security put out, uh, I think, one of their latest terror bulletins today. I screenshotted this on my Twitter and they say COVID-19, uh, you know, skepticism, et cetera, could lead to violence over the next X months. And so, again, public health, national security, they will tie the two together. It's one and the same. Stop this deal through vaccine hesitancy. Here's a good one. Uh, TWMY says, I don't usually hit the like button, but the other day said, would you kindly smash that like button? And without even thinking, I demolished it. Coincidence? Oh, Hey, hey, everybody. Would you kindly tap that like button? 
Uh, do you, yeah, you know the reference? I do now, yes. I oh, you looked before. it up? No, no, you told me about it once on the show. Do you know the reference? Bioshock. Bioshock. Have you played Bioshock before? It's it's a really... I know the game. I haven't played yeah, it. I it's played a, it's, ten, it's, a it's min, 20 minutes of it. I tried to play it on hard, and it was like, it's too hard. So Amazing I, I, game. I lost Amazing game. Uh, basically, the character is compelled to take any action if you say, would you kindly, before the request. So I am trying to compel all of you to, would you kindly press that like button? And then a lot of people were like, Bioshock reference, yeah! And then they all start smashing the like button. Like, all right, I'll just figure out cool Easter eggs to throw in with asking people to tap the like, to, to press the like button. And so then people will be like, yay, and they'll, you know. Alex11000 uh, says, Tim, did you hear about Apple scanning your phones in the claim of child exploitation and the new crypto and infrastructure bill taxes? A little bit about the crypto stuff. Um, I'm not super worried about that. The Apple spyware stuff, that is like if it's it's a red flag the size of the state of Texas being raised above everybody. They always try to use something that is that no one would ever want to be against. Like oh, but I mean it's only for child exploitation, right? You're not for it. Well, no, nobody is. It's disgusting. But you want a private company to start scanning my 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 media, and I'm supposed to just trust you? <laughs> nah, I'm not playing right. that game. You're crazy. They'll be like, we're gonna scan people's thoughts, but only for child porn. Yeah, right. You're building the technology to be able to scan people's thoughts. Okay, you're setting a precedent that you can do it. You get an. What you, else you, can you scan it for? You get an, uh, an Android phone. You put on a more secure operating system. You don't let people spy the on the Freedom stuff. Phone, which we still haven't broken apart yet. But there's all sorts of new we options need, yeah, need, other than we, Apple. We need to get the Freedom Phone. We do that forensic analysis. I have a feeling we're not going to find anything. I, I think it's going to be just like a very straightforward phone that does what it says it does. You know, the crypto thing. I'm, I'm curious what you guys think about that. Do you think that the targeting of crypto is ultimately a mafia-like extortion strategy of let's threaten crypto and then we'll get something out of them and they'll pay us to go away? Or do you think that ultimately they want into the game, like the government wants a piece of it, they want to be able to extract maximum revenues from it? Or what do you think the end game is? The globalists have created Bitcoin as the one world currency. Um, Bitcoin is the perfect globalist currency. Uh, how do you implement a, a, a unified global currency when you have a whole group of anti-government individuals claiming it's a conspiracy? You make them pro it. <laughs> and they're the ones who push it. Then all the institutions adopt it. And now they have their inter-country you know, country financial system being put in place. It strikes me that they're trying to make as much money, extract as much revenue out of it as possible because it coincides with Biden. Um, I think he's he's been investing in the IRS and wants to start uh, – helping these IRS to basically get more tax, make sure that people are paying their taxes. you got all these unemployment checks going out. Those people are going to have to pay taxes on those. So I think they're looking at taxation as the way to recover, help recover from this. I want to read uh, one more. Turk Longwell says, for all listening, now, now is the time. It's time now. We speak up and out or we lose. It's now or it's never. You all do great work. Thank you. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been saying over and over again that people need to stand up when their workplace tries doing this critical race stuff. They should say no to this. They should challenge it. And a lot of people say, but I'm scared to lose my job. Okay, well, now they're saying mandatory, minor, but medical procedure. You can stand up and say you agree with it or you don't. Personally, um, the mandating is the problem. You know, and I think with, I think here's the thing, right? Vaccines are, uh, I, I'm impressed by them. They're cool. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by George Washington, the story where he was they would inoculate people by taking like the needle, and I think it's fantastic. And I think just like with the Apple thing, they try to use things you don't want to be against. 
you're like, I get it. This is actually a good thing. It helps people. And that's what they use to open the door towards authoritarianism. So you got to speak up and defy this stuff. I want to do one last thing real quick. Not Maybe not even a full segment, but I just want to talk about Suicide Squad. Have you seen Suicide Squad? I have not. Negative. Mm-mm. Okay. I'll just talk a little bit because there was one thing I wanted to mention, and then we'll just we'll talk for a couple of minutes. The movie bombed. Hmm. Yeah, the movie's bombing, and now they're saying that they're gonna they're gonna delay the release of the new Venom movie because Black Widow and Suicide Squad bombed. Wow, something happened. People don't care anymore about what's going on. They're they're not watching the movies. I guess they're not. The money's not going in. Like, there's a there's there's a great reset happening right now, and I think, you know, I heard a story the other day. Um, someone, a friend of a friend, quit their job and said, "I just don't want to work anymore," and now they're broke. And I'm like, that's weird because the great resignation is happening. What's happening to people where they're like, I don't care. I'm, I'm happy with being broke. I'm done. Like this breakdown, whatever it is, it's like it's happening everywhere. And more and more people I hear are just like, I'm quitting. I don't care. So you, you think know? that the industry is also kind of quit? They've kind of given up and they're just not being these, creative these, these anymore? These people are quitting their jobs. They're not going to the movies either. It's like society itself is crumbling. It, like all these movies are making money and now it's just like – you know, a lot Black, of the- Black Widow didn't do well. That's a Marvel film. They always Captain uh, Captain Marvel got a billion dollars. That, That's crazy to me. To me, that kind of feels like society as a whole is a little bit depressed, which kind of makes me sad, but not really surprised because after this whole lockdown thing, everyone's like, "What's the point? Why would I carry on?" Which just they hate capitalism, they hate boomers, they hate everything that they work for, they hate the work that they do, and so they're like, "I give up." And it's working know, for them because of unemployment. Uh, uh, let me just say, it seems like people are gone. Yeah, I, we entered sort of an age of honesty in the in two thousand seven eight, where people were like speaking out. I was one of them on YouTube. Like, look at the world. Look at the military industrial complex. I didn't even know it existed until today. Mm. And so when when you see a pushback, when you see people get banned when they're speaking up honestly against authoritarianism or establishment politics or whatever, and you see crap being pushed out that's obviously not honest, like. Like when they tell you something's good when it's not. Like that's they tell you a movie like it's a ninety eight percent rating, but then when you look at the it's crowd tragic. rates at thirty seven percent, people are like what the? It's broken. So dude. People are they give up faith? They give up hope in that I wanna, structure when that happens. We'll, we'll end off with just something to think about. Where is everybody? Mm. They're not working. They're not going to movies. They're not out in the middle of big cities. Where are they? They're right here with us, We'll just leave it at that. You can follow us at Timcast IRL. Smash that like button. Be a member at Timcast.com. we got tons of reporting, new shows coming. You can follow me personally at Timcast. Uh, ben, did you want to shout out any social media? Yeah, at BH Winegarden. And uh, subscribe to my newsletter at winegarden.substack.com. Right on. Follow me, Ian Crossland, and at iancrossland.net. I want to show you guys this. I've been thinking a lot about this cultural decay. So what I did is I went out and I bought the six issues of the Infinity Gauntlet. This oh, is the cool. original. This is where it all came from in the 90s. Arguably, the Infinity Gauntlet number four is the best comic Marvel comic ever made. If you want to get excited about comics and the industry and what it can be and what it was, could be again. Get these. Get this comic. Get these Make comics. comics great again. These are yes. amazing, amazing Mika. stories. Mika. And stand, will stand the test of time. I highly recommend. It. And then you'll know you'll have some perspective on what the industry, what Disney did to this franchise. Mm, yeah. For sure. It's funny that Ian mentions that because I've actually been going through and buying books that my parents used to read to me when I was little. I had a maze book that I really, really loved, and I found that online. So I'm just going to kind of like build up a little library of books from way before they were woke for if, you know, if I ever have kids, it'll be awesome. Before the books are banned. Yeah, exactly. Before the books are
books are banned before we have to burn them all. Anyway, you guys can follow me at Sour Patch Lids on Twitter as I attempt continue my journey to have more followers than Sour Patch Kids. Go to youtube.com slash cast castle, subscribe and get ready and watch all of the episodes. They're, they're really, really well done. Um, the, the team we have producing this stuff, they're really great. You're going to love all the animation. So check it out and we'll see you all next time. Bye guys. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.